warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 254. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. Uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. Yeah, Jake is not feeling well. He messaged me. And he's like, uh, I'm not feeling well. They made me go into work, and he was having a rough day. And so Jake will not be joining us this episode. We went from having, like, 90-degree weather within days having, like, 50 to 45-degree weather. And so the weather change is fucking a lot of people up in the sickness and all that crap. So joining us this week, uh, Rebecca Daling, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always good to be here. And uh, I, now I'm just going to have you talk about New York Comic Con. I'm kidding. Shut I'm, the fuck up, man. Right. I'm done talking about New York Comic Con. All right. Just in case you people didn't know, uh, Rebecca went to New York Comic Con and she's talked about it on every other podcast. I'm not going to have her do it here. Uh, we are also – yeah, but welcome back, Rebecca. Short short notice and thank you so much for filling in. I really appreciate it. So, My pleasure. Uh, and then first time guests, and this is a first on the old uh, pop culture leftovers. We have a married couple on the episode, uh, April and Josh Stoll. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hi, everyone. All right. Yes, uh, that's the kind of excitement and enthusiasm they're going to be bringing this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, what an intro. No, um, no, it's fine. It was, it was perfect. Yeah, uh, married couple. This is a first, you know. Um, so I didn't – this is kind of an experiment. I didn't know how this was going to work out. I was hoping by the end of it, like it was you – know, like, like we weren't introducing like our first divorced couple. You know what I mean? I was like, I hope this goes well. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of show left, so we'll see. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, we might, we might have a follow-up bonus episode called Marriage Counseling. <laughs> Yay. No, I'm so happy. Uh, how long have you guys been listening? April, I know you started listening first, which is so fucking cool, right? I mean, you start, yeah, yeah that's cool. 
Yeah, and then and then you got Josh into the podcast. Did you make him? Like was was he like dragging his his feet and saying, "I don't want to listen to this garbage." Um no, he was a podcast, you know, with person up his nose in up there. He only listens to the, to the popular ones. So when I introduced him to you guys, he was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> And I was like, give it a chance. You'll like it. So he came around eventually. And now we both really like it, listen to it every week. So we're pumped to be on with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about this week. Um, I'm really excited. And, uh, yeah, um, that's so cool that you got him into the show. Dragging your feet. So you're listening to, like, the uh, NPR and the Joe Rogans, right? <laughs> uh, I've been listening to Bill Simmons for longer than I've known my wife. So I've been listening to the podcast since 2007. And I was the classic idiot. You know, she she gave me the first episode, and I, I opened it up and was listening. I was like, where are the timestamps, you know, freaking out? Four hours. What is going on? <laughs> Um, and then I was working a lot of weekends and I needed some material and I was like, Oh, let's, my wife's listening to this. Let's give it a shot. And then I would come back and be like, Oh, did you listen to this episode? Did you listen to this episode? Um, and now I get in trouble because I'll like try to pose an original thought that I heard on the podcast. And she's like, you know, I listen to the same podcast as you, right? I know they said that on the podcast. So. Oh, that is so cool. See, I don't get to hear like so, – so like my favorite iTunes reviews and favorite emails that we get are the ones where people tell us like where they listen to us and like what they're doing and how they found us. And so like that's like – I don't know. Just like listening to you say it right now over the podcast just like brings a smile to my face, which <laughs> which is like, you know, which is cool. So I think that's awesome. That's very cool. Um, I also, you know, I want to thank, I want to thank one of our listeners here and he's been, he's been doing a lot of artwork for us lately on, uh, on the pop culture leftovers Facebook page. Uh, Michael Cannon, he's our, he's an artist and he's a listener out of Hawaii. And, uh, I don't know, hey, Rebecca, you, have you seen his mashups that he's been doing recently? I have. They're very cool. Yeah. They're very cool. Yeah. Uh, we had the one episode where I, you know, I brought up different mashups and, uh, one of the mashups that, I never had seen before uh, was uh, the Jaggernaut, which would be a mashup of Mick Jagger and the Juggernaut. And so <laughs> Michael Cannon made this come to life, and it was absolutely fantastic. And he, and he sent it to me, and I posted it on the page, and it was just really cool. And then we had our episode with Finn Dietz Creek, and we were uh, reviewing the uh, Dark Phoenix trailer. And I called Finn Dark Phoenix. And so he made a Finn Dietz Creek Dark Phoenix mashup. And it was absolutely incredible. So I want to thank him. And I've got more ideas for him. And I'm not going to make it easy on him this week. I'm going to give him three <laughs> that are really fucked up. And he's got to pick one. If he's got time. I can't make him do it. But if he's got time, I would like to see him make one of these. All right. The first one. Are you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Let's hear it. Fucked up mashups. Here we go. The first one is Venom recently came out in theaters and, uh, yeah, won the box office again, people. Like, uh, I think it was uh, A Star is Born came in second again for the second week in a row and then followed by First Man and then, yeah, it's crazy. But Venom wins the box office again. Uh, we were interested, okay, one of the characters uh, within the uh, stories of Venom in the comics is Cletus Cassidy. So here's my mashup. 
Clitoris Cassidy. It's a. <laughs> it's. It's a. It's a. It's. It's a clit. <laughs> a clit version of uh, Cletus Cassidy, and you can use red hair if you would like. So. Oh Have fun with that one, Michael. Uh, here's my second one. This is a disturbing mashup, and it's in honor of First Man coming out this week. Um, it's a mashup of, uh, I'll just say it, Apollo 13 Reasons Why. So now- Oh, my God. I, I didn't know you were going to say that. <laughs> And, uh, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the little, I, I don't know, the, the sub, subline or whatever is like, uh, tagline would be NASA, here's your tape. Or, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Apollo 13 reasons why. And then finally, the last one is, uh, Fapple, semen flavored Snapple. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So there you go, Michael. You got your work cut out for you, buddy. I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna act like he even listened to this episode. <laughs> mm. So yeah, those are my fucked up mashups this week. Um, wow, what was it? Thursday morning. I uh, the night before. Okay, Wednesday night. I uh, I went to bed and I you know I've been taking the melatonin to get to sleep. I took a shit ton of melatonin that night. I could not fall asleep, so I can't remember even how many I downed. I think I like downed like ten of these things. They taste like candy. You ever taken them? Nope. I, I have, but I don't recall them tasting like candy. Oh, the ones that I <laughs> I get the dissolving ones. And oh, yeah, I okay, okay. I have dissolving melatonin, and you stick it under your tongue, and it dissolves, and it actually tastes like candy. It has a really good taste. And so it's like, oh wow, this is good. I enjoy it. So ten- eat more of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So t- so ten in. I'm just I fuck it. I pass the hell out. I did something I haven't done in the longest time. I slept in till eleven thirty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done that since like my twenties. Those are the days. Yeah. So here's another mashup. If you want to. <laughs> no. I don't, this is the dumbest thing. This is the dumbest dad, <laughs> this is the dumbest dad joke I've ever had. Double strength melatonin. You, you could, you could call it helatonin. No. Oh my god. No. Right? No. I know. That's, the, I, I know, I know. Shame me now. Whatever. I, that joke was bad and you should feel bad. No, it was, it was helatonin. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of tonin, right? It's, it's, I guarantee it's, you it, that comes back on this episode. <laughs> and then the, the tagline is like more tone than you're accustomed to. Is, is, is Bob Vila doing some like <laughs> interior work in I, your home right now? I'm usually the one that can't sit still, but my wife is all oh my wife gosh. is all over the place tonight. I don't know what's going on. What's going on there, Thumper? <laughs> my knee. We're Th- good now. Thumpy McThumperton over there. Don't be nervous. It's just friends talking. Oh, no nerves. <laughs> just uh, pregnant, so I have to pee every five seconds. Oh, wow. Hey, if you got to get up and go, just go. <laughs> All right. Just go. Uh, if I say your name and you don't say anything, I'll just know that you've taken <laughs> How many months pregnant are you? Just one and a half. Wow. So just you. Oh, yeah. wow. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, let's see here. All right. Hopefully you're not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> or drinking, unfortunately. 
<laughs> oh, I know. I'm doing that. I'm doing. I'll do it for the both of us. How about that? All right, sounds good. I'll help. I'm also drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, Josh. So now that she can't drink, like, are you going through this with her and not drinking? Are you doing that whole thing? I'm more of a get shit face like four <laughs> times a year kind of person. Oh, so okay. Okay. Usually it results in me blacking out and having no idea what happened the uh, previous night. So I haven't had one of those in a little while, but we'll see. Yeah. It's like well, every time you have one of those, you're like, I am never drinking again. <laughs> and then, yeah. And especially it. when you have a four year old poking you in the back of the head at six 30 in the morning, it doesn't really lend itself to getting wasted. So, Oh man, if that ever happened to me, I'd be arrested that morning. <laughs> Should never be a four-year-old poking me in the back of the head ever. That just single guy with two cats. I'm going to jail if that ever happens. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, you know what? We're not going to bury the lead this week. We had some big news that came out, so I actually just want to start talking about uh, the whole James Gunn news that came out this week. And the news broke on Tuesday from the Ramp. James Gunn. Here's the article. James Gunn and talks to write Suicide Squad two for DC may also direct. James Gunn, director of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy films, is in talks to write Suicide Squad 2 for DC with an eye toward direct the next installment. Three insiders exclusively told the rap. Now, this is sto- this story was before kind of like THR, I think it was THR, yeah, THR came out and said that uh, it was a done deal. Um, Gun. Uh, this article goes on to say, Gun will have a completely new take on the property in which DC supervillains are recruited by the government to carry out secret missions too dirty for the likes of Superman and Batman. Chuck Roven is producing the Suicide Squad sequel. David Ayer, who directed the first movie, was never expected to return to the franchise following a herring battle with the studio during the edit process. Um, let's see here. Gavin O'Connor wrote the previous draft of the script, so they're throwing that piece of shit out. Um. Yeah, so THR talked a little bit more about this and basically said the talks are done for the script and now it's a matter of, like, will James Gunn direct? And here is what THR had to say. James Gunn is heading to Marvel to, uh, heading from Marvel to DC. Gunn, who was fired from directing the third installment uh, in his Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, has come on board with Warner Brothers and DC Suicide Squad sequel with an eye to helm. Gunn has closed a deal to pen the script. At this stage, there is no director deal, but talks could proceed depending on the outcome of the scripting process. Studio sources say that Gunn is not developing a sequel, but a brand new take on the property, which features DC villains Deadshot, Harley Quinn, the Joker, Captain Boomerang, and Killer Croc, who are forced into the service of the government in exchange for lighter sentences. It is unclear whether or not that means recasting in part or wholly the actors. Uh, DC then confirmed on Friday that it would be a completely fresh take. So I want to talk about this. I want to open it up. Rebecca, you heard the news. He's writing the script, Suicide Squad 2, a whole fresh new take. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's brilliant. I really do. I'm, I don't think I don't think Mar- I don't think Disney should have ever fired him. That whole business with the tweets and the the blog and the comments and all that. You know, that was way in the past. He had apologized for it. Disney knew about it. And now all of a sudden it became an issue and they fired him. Um, it makes 
complete sense to me that this is happening because Suicide Squad was meant to be DC's answer to uh, Guardians and it did not go very well <laughs> at all. So I love the idea that he's going to come in and write a whole new Suicide Squad story, make it like it seems like it's going to be like a, a reboot rather than a sequel. I, I think it's brilliant news. I'm I'm happy for him. I think this is a good decision for for Warner Brothers. I hope he gets to direct because I feel like we're going to get a really we have the potential to get a really good movie here. Okay, the director announcement. What is it? it what's holding it up? Because I'm I'm thinking that yeah, they want to see how the scripting process goes, but. Is it a matter of like once you open him up, and I think even if you open him up to you know writing the screenplay, you know once the movie starts to come out and they start to talk to people again, you know what I mean? Like when they have like interviews for like different publications, you know when they interview the mm-hmm. director, he's going to be back out there in the public spotlight. Like right now, he's not like I haven't heard like many statements from James Gunn. He's like totally off social media since this whole thing kind of like went down, like with like, you know, once he was fired from Marvel and then Sony didn't do anything with him at San Diego Comic-Con. And so it's like, I wonder what, like what's holding Warner brothers up from making an announcement right now about him directing. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's going to put him back out there in the spotlight and those interviews are going to happen at that point. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm trying to figure out like why there's no, Director. I mean, do, do you think maybe James Gunn himself is kind of deciding if he wants to no, direct this? No, I think James Gunn wants to fucking. I think you, okay. I one hundred percent think that James Gunn wants to come out swinging. And honestly, if I had to place a bet, there is going to be when he writes this screenplay and if he does direct this movie in the film, there is going to be a cryptic dig at Marvel. Oh, I'm quite sure you're right. I I agree with you on that one. I I think you're right. You know, I mean, Argus might be doing something differently and Argus might fire somebody within the movie or something from the squad and there might be a dig at Marvel. He might use that as a meta way to get back at them. Josh, what are you thinking, man? I think this is a really good idea. Um, You know, James Gunn took uh, characters from Guardians of the Galaxy that really a lot of people didn't know. Um, and made them super popular. And I think you can take a franchise that shit the bed in the first movie, I think most people would say, and really kind of turn it around um, in combination. I mean, Wonder Woman's looking, you know, has done well. Aquaman, I think, looks like it could be a movie. I mean, this could be kind of, he could be leading the charge to kind of turn DC around. I think it's too good of an opportunity to pass up. I'm pretty excited about what he's going to do with the movie. Okay, yeah, I love what you're saying here. It seems to me like, hold on, like he makes a great movie with Suicide Squad. And remember, James Gunn was supposed to head up the whole cosmic side of the Marvel Universe going forward. He was going to be basically that guy. I wonder if this movie is a success and they like what they see here with Suicide Squad if James Gunn might be doing the same thing over there at DC and lead up their whole cosmic thing. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get James Gunn directed Green Lantern, but we could get his influence. He could be like kind of like the Kevin Feige over the cosmic side of that universe, you know. So I, we'll see what happens. April, what are your thoughts on this whole James Gunn thing? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to echo what everyone said for the most part. I think Disney had to do what they had to do with letting him go to keep their image. So I can't really blame them for that, for their wholesome view. 
But at the same time, I don't really think it was deserved. And I think DC is smart to pick him up and see what he can do for them and hopefully turn it around. And if they're smart, they'll use him as much as they can. And hopefully he'll do well for them. Yeah, I can't see him not. I mean, I don't know. It seems like James Gunn is just made for Suicide Squad. Like even I think he's almost even more suited for this than Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I really do. I, it's a it's a more violent kind of um, these are more violent characters in the comics. Traditionally, I know Rocket Raccoon runs around in the comics and says, I murdered you and kills aliens. But Suicide Squad is more violent typically in the comic books and you got James Gunn who actually, you know, he's done violent movies in the past. Like, you know, he, uh, wrote, uh, Oh, what was that fucking movie that I love? Um, the Belko experiment. And, uh, he came from trauma. He did, uh, I think he did, uh, Tromeo and Juliet and he did super. And I mean, this guy comes from like violent movies and I think like this is really suited for him. This is going to, this is huge. Um, who are they going to be? Who are going to be the holdovers? So, as far as this team is concerned, like I'm, I would say, like Will Smith's coming back as Deadshot, Margot Robbie's coming back, of course, as Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Joel Kinnaman should come back as Captain. Bo- uh, excuse me, as uh, Rick Flag. And I say, get rid of fucking Killer Croc lose him and get king shark instead oh i love that idea. idea oh and viola davis is coming back as amanda waller 100 oh that's great so yeah i there's i'd also i would like katana to come back and be able to do something cool with her instead of just having her look cool yeah you know the <sighs> The characters that were in the first movie, there's there, there's nothing wrong with the characters per se. Like they all have the potential to be like really fun, cool, badass characters. It's just the the direction and the writing that, that really left a bad taste in my mouth personally. So I mean, if you bring back those same characters and you have better writing, you have better direction, I think you could have a really fun movie. You could have a really you could have a really good movie like that. You could just go and. Eat your bucket of popcorn and and have fun watching these villains go on some crazy mission. I'm done with Killer Crack. Fuck off. I don't. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Kid Shark is a is a great replacement though. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, when the new Fifty Two, like when they launched the new Fifty Two, they had King Shark in there as part of the squad, and it was great. I absolutely loved it. And like, I don't know, Diablo's he didn't he die in the last one so see ya whatever we don't need ya I mean I I enjoyed Diablo I thought he was like one of the only fun parts I liked Will Smith I liked Diablo a little bit and then I liked Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg and that's really all I liked <laughs> I mean I think I think Harley Quinn could be a lot better character if they just write her a lot better Oh yeah, I mean, if you've got James Gunn writing for Harley Quinn, I 100% agree. I, you know, I don't know his take on the character, and like, you know, I don't. But you know, anything's better than what we got. I, I didn't like. I had no problem with Margot Robbie. I just didn't care for Harley Quinn in that movie. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And I mean, that's I agree with Rebecca. Like the first five minutes of that movie, like you get the montage of like all the characters and kind of where all the team members are, and you get a little glimpse of what they can do, and like. 
that that part's great, like cool, and then it just the you know fell off a cliff with how the actual plot went. Yeah. So if you give somebody who's a much better writer, and I mean really the bar is so low for them that you know you don't have to make the greatest movie ever, and it will probably be well received, and that gives you the momentum to keep making better movies going forward. Yeah, I you know I was thinking about so I was I was I was you know going through and I was thinking of like what characters could James Gunn introduce because it's I think they're going to bring back like the big names Will Smith Margot Robbie Viola Davis possibly Joel Kinnaman and the rest in my opinion are expendable just I don't care just scrap them I don't give a fuck what they do with the rest I really don't Katana could come back that would be fine give her something to do she looks cool. Give her something cool to do. But I was looking at like what characters could James Gunn add, and I came up with a few. Um, Bronze Tiger. I don't know how this would work. Uh, the character's real name is Ben Turner, and when he was ten years old, he saw a burglar attacking his parents, and he tried to kill the man with a kitchen knife, and then like. Later on, um, he had all this rage because of his parents' death, and he went into martial arts, and then he traveled to the Far East, and now he wears a mask of a tiger. <laughs> so I'm, think, I'm thinking that sounds maybe like a James Gunn character, a guy with a tiger mask going around with martial arts. That might be fun. Um, I was thinking Parasite could be part of the team. That would be very cool. I always thought Parasite was a cool character. Um, Killer Frost. I know she's mm. in the Flash series, but we could get a really cool Killer Frost in the movie. And then this character, this is a really fringe character that I would love for him to add. This is the perfect, if he, and it has, this character has been a member of the Suicide Squad. It's a character named Multiplex. And this guy was caught in the exact same explosion that turned um, you know, Stein and Ronnie Raymond into Firestorm. But Multiplex can split himself into identical duplicates, but then each duplicate can split off, but they're all smaller than the original, and they get smaller the more he splits. Hmm. I, I don't think I even know that character. That sounds kind of fun. That interesting. That sounds fun as fuck. That sounds like something James Gunn could do a lot with. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know that DC is like pulling out their list of characters and saying these characters you can use. Go through them. Who do you want to add? And they're giving him free reign. I guarantee it. They're giving him free reign and he can add whoever he wants to. Like, honestly, this movie comes out after Wonder Woman 2. We could see them add Cheetah to the squad. Kristen oh, Wiig. yeah. It could have Black Manta. This movie comes out after Aquaman. Black Manta could be on the team. You know, they could add uh, hell. They could add uh, Flash villains that we haven't even gotten in a Flash movie because we don't know when the fuck that's going to come out. (laughs) We could get Reverse Flash. We could get Captain Cold. Can you imagine what James Gunn could do with a Captain Cold? That'd be awesome. In a traditional Captain Cold outfit, it would be incredible. So I hope he puts in. Just a lot of fun fringe DC characters too that we don't give a shit about. And I would, I just want to see them die by nanobombs. For a guy that wrote the Belko experiment where people die constantly, 
This is the perfect fucking movie for him. And those people died in really creative and crazy ways in the Belko experiment. And so I think James Gunn can have a lot of fun with this. I mean, if we got characters just walking around with nanobombs in their necks and exploding all over the place, this could be kind of fun. I want to see Will Smith react to, like, guys exploding around him. Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah, I mean, do you guys think we get multiple Suicide Squad James Gunn movies then in the future if they just as well? Or do you think we get individual movies with the characters? I think that they'll want to keep um, Suicide Squad together. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those things where I can see, like, if Harley gets, like, and, and she is getting her own movie, they're, like, they're doing the Birds of Prey, right? I mean, she's in that one. Yeah. And so that's, isn't that, who's directing that one? I can't even keep track anymore. Birds of Prey? Yeah. Oh gosh, I just oh I forget her name. It's oh god, give me a second. It, I'll I'll look it up. Is it Kate Shortland? No, maybe. <laughs> give me a second. I'll look it up real quick here. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like if you know, like I don't know. I we we got to find out like who. I mean, Kathy Ann. Kathy Ann. Oh, Kathy Ann. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe a Deadshot because like they were talking about maybe doing a Deadshot solo movie. That's really the only other one, but I don't see them giving like James Gunn a, a female driven solo film. You know, I think. Yeah, that- I would think if this does well, they just keep strolling down and giving him another Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I would also like to see him do something with like he's proven himself with the cosmic side of Marvel, like give him something to do in the cosmic side of DC. I'm not necessarily saying like a Green Lanterns movie, but there are other cosmic stories within the DC universe to be told. So I don't know. I I just think this is going to be a huge success. I think this is just going to like reinvent the Suicide Squad. And I also think it's kind of crazy that all the DC fans that hated on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Volume 2 are now like coming around to James Gunn. It's just bizarre. How like they're excited about this? So it's not all of them, but some of them. No, I know, but those uh, those fan. I was just reading on Twitter. There's all these there's all these crazy fanboys who are saying they're going to boycott Aquaman because they want they want the Snyder cut of uh, Justice oh. League and they want the air cut of Suicide Squad and they want James Gunn fired. I, I okay, what whatever fanboys enjoy. Yeah, see, I don't. I, see, I try to just stay away from all that garbage. It's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah, can't we just all want good movies? Yeah, exactly. That that that's my point. Like, I I just want good movies, whether they're from Marvel or DC. I just want those the, the movies to do well because then it means we get more of them, and it means that we get better movies, and that's that's what I feel like real fans should want, not just. I'm going to boycott this movie because I don't like this other thing. Well, it's just dumb. Yeah. Dave Batista seems down to join this project. He tweeted, where do I sign up? So <laughs> I, I honestly think like in a heartbeat that James Gunn would, would cast him for something. I just don't know how that works with like Marvel contracts. If he can like flip over that easily. I, I you know, I know Lawrence Fishburne is, you know, Perry white in the, you know, in DC and he's also, you know, Goliath and, uh, you know, um, uh, 
Ant Man. Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Thanks for helping me out there, Josh. Nobody else. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys see you me you see me struggling over here. I oh, just let let him, let him struggle. Hey, look, look at him flapping around like a dead fish. It's the only way you'll learn, Brian. Whatever. You have to do it on your own. I ain't helping you then. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't bailing you out later when you can't think of something. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here fucking like holding on to all my knowledge. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. You know, I know, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's done it and I know, you know, uh, Jaiman Hansu, Hansu is Korath the Pursuer and he's also, playing uh shazam like the the wizard in the shazam movie and he's also like the king of the fish men fisher people or whatever in the mm-hmm. aquaman film so i just don't know like what how dave batista's contracts laid out i know he's got one more movie to do and he has to do it unless marvel fires him and let, and then if he if he bows out then you know they can sue him which is not good but uh, I can definitely see him going over to DC, jumping ship, and doing something in the Suicide Squad movie. I would love to see him do it. A lot of people have been saying, uh, I'm trying to think who they've been throwing his name out there. I heard Parasite. I heard uh, King Shark. I heard Lobo. So I don't know. There was somebody who was fan casting him as Bane. Oh, yeah, Bane. Yeah, I don't know. That might be fun. I don't know. I th- I don't know. I I I think it he's bet he, it's not he just doesn't, you know, from Drax to Bane, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. Him. I mean, if you want to say he has the look for it, that's one thing, sure. but um I I think it was more people were like saying he has the look to play Bane rather yeah. than like oh, he's got the chops because he's played Drax and now he can play Bane. I think it was more just the look. Yeah, it's going to be weird not seeing him play Drax and being in a Suicide Squad movie playing something else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is he going to be able to live up to like what we loved about him as Drax? Because he's got a, that's a hard act to follow, right? 100%. It is a hard act to follow. Drax is like, I mean, every both Guardians movies, James Gunn said the same thing that that Dave Batista stole those movies. Like yeah. he steals them away because he's just so funny and engaging and charming. I mean, that whole bit about how if he moves really slow, nobody could see him. I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, think about how many memes got created over that. You know, yeah, it's unreal. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if you haven't listened to the uh, Michael Rosenbaum inside of you with uh podcast with uh dave batista check it out it's really good it's really good um i wonder i was thinking about this the other day do you remember those uh, rumors for guardians of the galaxy volume three about mark hamill wanting to be in it and then he met with james gunn over lunch and they just had a talk and it wasn't like confirmed that they talked about guardians three yeah, there was like a whole Twitter thing, right? Uh-huh. Where they were like yeah. talking to each other on Twitter, like, uh-huh. oh, I live down the block from you. Oh, we should have lunch. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Guardians 3. Yeah, I, I do recall that. And they did. I mean, they did meet for lunch eventually. It took months later, but they eventually did. But like, I, it makes me wonder, like, did James Gunn write a part for Mark Hamill in Guardians 3? And I think, like, at this point, if he did... How is Mark Hamill going to handle that if, like, Disney does want to still cast him in that role? If it, I mean, this is all fictitious, but how would he handle that? Because, like, 
I don't know. I, I don't think Mark would do it. Part of me wants to think that Mark wouldn't do it since it was between him and James. So weird. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Ah, oh, thanks for that fresh insight. I don't know what to say. What can I say? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I would say it wow, depends that's... if he actually has a contract already no, with them. No, no, he doesn't. And if not, then I think he just forget it and maybe follow James Gunn. Yeah, but it's a paycheck. I mean, see, that's the thing. He doesn't like no like production is completely stalled on Guardians. Like they these guys are ready to start, you know, pre production. Like I think in September, and they told like over a hundred crew members to go home. Like they're postponing production, so like you know, it's I I don't know. I don't think that Mark Hamill is he was never announced as and you know there other than the core people that we know that we're going to be in Guardians, you know nobody else had really been cast for it, so there were no casting announcements made. So. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just, I can't, I'm going to just say that Mark Hamill will not be involved in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And he may have been at one time. And that upsets me. Cause that would have been awesome. Because I love Mark Hamill. Yeah, especially if you get some of the wisecracking Luke from Last Jedi. Like, I feel like you could fit some of that same humor and seamlessly in the next movie. So that would have been pretty uh-huh. exciting. Honestly, can, you can kind of like, couldn't you like, Switch out Mark Hamill and Kurt Russell and have Mark Hamill play Ego easily? Yes. <laughs> For sure. I think he would have done a damn good job. Maybe he can play Ego's brother that he didn't know he had. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God, I love Mark Hamill. But, yeah, hopefully, yeah, that'd be awesome if James Gunn stole Mark Hamill and gave him a fucking role in Suicide Squad. That would be awesome. Oh, I would love that to see Mark Hamill in Suicide Squad, too. Anyway, The Wrap also did a report. I just wanted to throw this out there real quick. Uh, James Gunn's Sony film uh, has a title and a release date. So even though it was kind of like not anything was announced at you know San Diego Comic-Con, but it's a, it's a horror project called Brightburn, and it's been pushed six months out to May of 2019. And uh, there's really nothing they don't know the plot is currently under wraps so but it is going to come out in may 2019 so it's a horror project called brightburn from james gunn so i'm looking forward to that um that's all i got for the james gunn news i'm just really excited i i think it's going to blow up and i think it's just going to be a huge a huge movie i just hope he directs so i think I think they're kind of holding off on making the director's announcement. They're taking baby steps here, but hopefully he'll direct it. I don't want to see anybody else but him direct it at this point. I'll be upset if anyone else directs it but him. Yeah, I, I really, I, I'm anxiously awaiting that, that, that announcement that he is definitely directing. I, I don't think I want to see anyone else direct it either. If, He's going to write the script. I really want to see him direct it too. I'm, I, I also want the movie to be called Suicide Squad Volume Two. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they'll do it, but uh, that's a bit on the nose, right? No, <laughs> it's a, epic. it's just a huge fuck you. That's what it is. Like, what's yeah. who, what's to stop them? Like, does Marvel have tr- Volume Two trademarked? You know? No, no, it's true. No, it, it's it is definitely a big fuck you to Marvel. Absolutely, to call. Can it Can you imagine two. the first trailer for Suicide Squad Two? And everybody's just been calling it Suicide Squad 2 the whole time. 
And then all of a sudden, the title screen at the end of it, it pops up and it says Suicide Squad, Volume 2. People in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con would lose their fucking shit. <laughs> they would. Everybody would lose their fucking shit. People, people that don't even know each other would high-five each other and hug each other. It would be amazing. Oh my god, I would flip the fuck out. Suicide Squad Volume 2, and I want him to write a dig at Marvel in the movie. I think that Yeah, I think we'd all be waiting, waiting mm-hmm. for that. Absolutely. Alright, we're gonna move on into, uh, good pop, bad pop now. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I'm going to talk about a few things here real quick. Uh, two things real quick, and then I got a movie that I want to talk about. Uh, finished Big Mouth Season 2. Rebecca, I know you've been watching it. I finished it as well. All right. Big Mouth Season 2. This is the cartoon animated show. Uh, adult, you know, R-rated humor with Nick Kroll, Jason Mansukas, Jordan Peele, Maya Rudolph, and Jenny Slade. Uh, the second season, this is just basically like adult actors playing children going through adolescence and puberty and it's just fucking hysterical they bring out all the like the most embarrassing parts of like uh like when you're fucking young dumb and full of cum and horny and <laughs> they just put it all out there and this season they you know of course last season they had each kid had like their own hormone monster you know like in pokemon you got your own little pokemon monster the, in this they've got kids got hormone monsters that like take them through their puberty process and so you've got like nick kroll is the hormone monster maya rudolph plays one it's just fantastic but this season introduced the shame wizard and the kids uh started to feel shame basically they're like there's kind of like a voldemort looking wizard Mm -hmm. that would pop up and when the kids were doing something weird like humping a glow worm um or I don't know, like, uh, just when they felt like they were doing something that was, like, really kind of, like, you know, closet perverted, the shame wizard would pop up and make them feel dark shame for, like, their weird perversion. And uh, I I tupperware this whole fucking season. It was absolutely hysterical and amazing. Same here. I, I give season two another Tupperware. I thought episode five was the funniest episode in in season two. That was the one where they told stories about Planned Parenthood through other like um, like they used the Star Wars uh, sort of venue to tell a, about Planned Parenthood and and some other like a like a horror story and and it was all about like what Planned Parenthood does. Yeah. Um, I for me that was the funniest episode in in this in the season, but I love the addition of the shame wizard because you know these kids have basically just been they've just been discovering that like 
their sexuality and, you know, the boys are just jacking off everywhere. And, and now all of a sudden there's this new factor as they come into their feelings and their, and their puberty. Now it's being ashamed. And I thought like this was a really great way. I love the whole arc with coach Steve, what he went through. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. God. Coach Steve is just. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> Uh, like, and I, I don't want to give too yeah. much away. People want to watch it and be surprised and stuff. But if you like season one, I think you'll like season two. I mean, but they're easy to watch. Like you could you could burn through it in an afternoon, really, if you wanted to. It's so damn good. Oh god, I love Big Mouth. Absolute oh, Tupperware. It's great. It is so good, and I can't wait for season three because like things have changed by the end of season two. We mm-hmm. get a little bit deeper into the whole hormone monsters and like that whole world of the hormone monsters. And so it's really opened it up to be a completely fresh take in season three. April, Josh, you watching this with the kids around? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's bad enough that I uh, have PCL on in the mornings when I'm taking the kids uh, to yeah. school or to the babysitter in the morning and just hope they're not picking up the straight swear words so yeah uh, we are not watching this april and i actually went to high school together uh she's a very long 12 days older than i am but we didn't really know each other in high school very much so i'm glad that we didn't have to deal with each other's hormone monsters so (laughs) it'll be funny in a couple days when your kids are like daddy why are you talking to the weird man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but i'm sure he'll be stoked about marvel news whenever we get there so there you go. You know. uh another thing that i i don't know this is fucked up uh i i bought a roku i mm-hmm. uh, anybody use a roku <laughs> nope apple tv what is, what is roku short for what the fuck <laughs> is it what is it you know what i mean is it short for something i have no idea, idea. I don't know. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Uh, well, shit. You're par for the course then, aren't you? Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> get Roku get- comes from the Japanese word meaning six, apparently. So I don't know what the fuck six is affiliated with it for, but so what be it. What the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. Jesus. Okay. All right. Whatever. So, yeah, I was just curious what Roku is. I didn't know if it was short for something. Uh, but yeah, I bought a Roku, a uh, little, uh, I got the Roku Express, little $29.95 at Walmart and you just pop it in the side of your TV. And so I downloaded the Comedy Central app on there and, uh, was, I was flipping through because I watched the, I watched Tosh.0 and I watched South Park and then I was like, Oh my God, they've got a, a lot of these old Comedy Central shows on there. And I saw Crank Yankers. Do you remember Crank Yankers? Oh, yes. I remember Crank Yankers. All right, Millennials. Crank Yankers was a show that your parents... <laughs> your yeah, pa- I have no idea what those shows. Oh, God. <laughs> when you were a little kid, this is one of those shows they wouldn't let you watch. And if you would have seen it on TV, you would have been like, oh, my God, I want to watch that. Why? Because it was fucking puppets. It was basically... It was comedians like Adam Carolla, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Tracy Morgan, uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, a ton of comedians, so many comedians, too many to count. And they would do actual prank phone calls to real businesses. They would record them and then 
they would play the recordings, but these puppets would act out the scenes. And it was called Crank Yankers. And it was on Comedy Central. And it was on for like three seasons, I believe. Three to four seasons. And I used to watch Crank Yankers all the time. Rebecca, like some of it is absolutely hilarious. It really is. Oh, oh yeah. But on the flip side, like this show would not play today. Like some of the shit just is like, oh my, it's so dated. Like as far as like what is acceptable now, like it would not fucking play. And sure. it's, it's so crazy to like watch some of these old like, um, crank yankers that I used to watch. Like what was the, oh my God, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I, um, the, there's one where a woman prank called, a woman female comedian, she prank called a guy at a, like a, like a gadget tech store. He's like a computer guy, you know, like one of the, you know, like, I don't mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like one of the geek squad. She calls like, you know, and she's asking about her computer. And as he's talking about her computer, she starts to like have like, uh, audible orgasms over the phone. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, c- keep talking. You're so smart. It turns me on. <laughs> and like, and, and like by the end of it, like the, like she's talking about like this guy coming over to her place and like fixing her computer and how it turns her on and like this guy's like all right, so you're gonna call me back with your address, right? Yeah. Oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. This show, I don't know if you've never seen it. I guess give it a chance. I don't. I think it's absolutely hysterical. But like, there's some shit that just w- does not fly today. It's just so mm. not not PC anymore. I'm just like. I have- I haven't seen it in ages, but yeah. I'm sure that you're right because usually that kind of stuff doesn't fly. But oh my god, I haven't thought about crank yankers in a long time. That I know show was fucking funny. Yeah, because they would have like recurring characters, like they would have recurring puppets. Like one of them was like Spoonie Love. To- Say that again, Spoonie Love, Tracy Morgan's character. Yes, yes. But then there was one who was like meant to be like special because he had like a football helmet on yeah, all the time. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah, like stuff like that doesn't fly anymore. Like you well, his can't name, really make those jokes. His name was Special Ed. Right. Yeah. You're right. Oh my God. Yeah, you can't make those jokes anymore. Yeah. Like, damn, but Craig Yeagers was hilarious. Yeah. They would get these people going and, and you could hear in their voices that, you know, they're like, what is this? But they're just like going along with it. Oh man. Yeah. That's a funny show. That's I don't know. I, 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 I still find it fucking hysterical. Adam Carolla, when he played, what's his name? Uh, Bertram. I'm Bertram. And he calls it. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, I lost my leg at Nam. Oh, it's so, oh, Jesus, yes. it's so fucking funny. Oh my oh, God. God. <laughs> oh my God. It's so fucking lit. Uh, what was the other one that they had? They had, they had the, um, the blind stripper. Yes. And she wanted, yes. she wanted to strip and she wanted to be on the pole, but she had like her, uh, she had her, um, her dog, her, uh, her seeing, eye her dog. seeing eye dog and she'd have to bring her seeing eye dog on stage. Oh my God. And she's talking about suing the place if they don't let her dance and they're discriminating. <laughs> and oh my oh my, God. it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's such a insane fucking show. Oh my God. I can do a really damn good special ed, but I'm not going to because it's no, very insensitive. Shouldn't. I'm not. I am not. <laughs> I refuse. Absolutely. Um, next thing I want to talk about, and then I'll pass it off here to somebody. Um, I saw on Netflix a movie came out. I'd really been looking forward to this one. Um, it's, uh, Hold the Dark. 
Uh, it's uh, after the deaths of three children suspected to be killed by wolves. Writer Russell Core is hired by the parents of a missing six-year-old boy to track down and locate their son in the Alaskan wilderness. And this this is the big reason why I wanted to watch it. It's directed by Jeremy Saulnier, and he uh, was the director of Green Room. This is a movie that Scott Schuette told me, Brian, you got to watch this. I watched it. Anton Yelkin's in it. Patrick Stewart's in it. Fucking incredible uh, horror-slash-thriller movie. And then uh, it made me want to go back and watch his previous movie called Blue Ruin, uh, Blue Ruin, excuse me. Um, and, uh, so I watched that, love that movie. Both those movies are absolute Tupperwares. And so I was like, holy shit, Jeremy Saulnier is doing this movie, Hold the Dark. It's based on this book by, uh, William Giraldi. And, uh, and it also, it stars Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, um, Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood. And he's also the, the Tarzan in the new Tarzan film. I'm just going to come out and warn everybody, like, if you loved uh, Jeremy Saulnier, uh, his movie Green Room and Blue Ruin, this is an absolute piece of shit. This is a <laughs> fucking toss-it. I didn't expect that. It is, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was amazing. It's <laughs> fucking terrible. I love Jeremy Saulnier, too. Like, this guy is, like, you know... One of the up and coming directors, in my opinion, and, you know, he, he takes on really interesting projects, and I, I don't know, this, you get, there's like, if you read both synopsises on IMDb, there's this one that I just read, and then there's another one, and they both go into great detail about this fucking movie. They're both right, but they're both fucking wrong. This movie takes so many fucking twists, and has so many weird moments in it, it's almost incoherent, and it, I, I absolutely hated this movie. I and I had heard a couple critics come out and say like, yeah, you know, it's it's not that great. And I was like, whatever, whatever. You know, I'll be the judge. I'll be the judge here. It's garbage. This movie is an absolute toss. It. I'm not even going to get into it. I'm just. I'm. I'm here basically to warn people to stay away from this fucking shit pile. It is absolute fucking garbage. And I hate to say this because I love the director. And, uh, so hold the dark. Yeah. Hold the movie. Like, don't watch it. It is terrible. So, um, I am going to pass it off. Uh, April, I know you've got, you've got quite the list. Um, <laughs> uh, well, the first thing I'll talk about is a show on HBO succession. Oh, I don't yeah. think you guys have talked about this yet. No, cause I haven't started it and everybody's telling me it's great. And it's got, doesn't it? It's got Kieran Culkin in it, right? Yes, Kieran Culkin, Alan Ruck, Jeremy Strong, Brian Cox. It's got a great cast. Yeah. It's 10 episodes. Um, it's about dysfunctional family in New York City. They uh, run a global media company. And it says it's loosely based off Rupert Murdoch's family, created by Jesse Armstrong. Brian Cox just has an epic performance in this show. Um, I never really have seen many things that he's in. He was in Churchill, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but he was very good. And if anything, I would watch it just for his performance. Hmm. Um, Alan Ruck is kind of like the goofy older brother in this, but Jeremy Strong and Kieran Culkin and Sarah Snook, the three other siblings, all are dynamite in this as well. Really? I just... Kieran, it is a slow burn. Okay. It takes maybe three episodes before you can really get into into it. Um, 
I would give the first three just to taste it, but the last seven a Tupperware. Okay. That's awesome. It, um, it really I, allows you to decide who has a moral compass, who doesn't, how that 1% lives, hmm. and what their day-to-day is. I mean, you go from one of the kids is addicted to drugs to the other one is sleeps around a lot, a lot. And then a girl just wants to get away from the family business and work in politics and how that all intertwines. And then Sarah Snook's character character has a boyfriend. Uh, Matthew McFadden plays him. He's in Frost Nixon in that new Nutcracker movie that's going to be coming out. He is hilarious. I haven't really seen him in anything else, but his character is by far the funniest character I've seen in a show lately. Hmm. Um, he has a funny relationship, one of the nephews in the show, and he works at the family company and just rides this kid the whole time. And the kid thinks he's being funny with him, but he's being totally serious. And I just love it. It was great. But, um, I think it's really um, HBO's answer to Billions, if you liked that. So it's kind of similar to that. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely recommend this. Um, give it the time for the character development, and then it definitely pays off. Okay. Yeah, and so is it basically just, like, siblings, like, fighting over money and shit, like, control the company? Yeah, so the dad is supposed to take a seat back from the company and allow the kids to take over. But in the first episode, he comes right out and says that he's not going to be taking a step back. And so it's just kind of all um, – it shows you, like, how the fallout from that, from each kid, kind of falls in line. Yeah. And who really wants to take over the company, who wants nothing to do with it, and all the money that gets thrown around. So it's definitely interesting, and I would suggest it. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. It's just one of those where I just need to fucking find the time to start it. I'm trying to keep up on everything else. Rebecca, I haven't even finished BoJack Horseman. Really? Yeah. You haven't finished it yet. It's it's heavy this season. Yeah. I've yeah, had a hard is. time getting back to it because like, it's like really like hitting some emotional – things that kind of connect with me and so it's really, I hear you really fucking hard to I hear that dude I I believe I mean you and I talked about this before that like yeah. after I saw that episode with the eulogy like I had to go lay down for a half an hour like it was oh god. heavy oh god it was tough yeah yeah so I'm I am trying to keep up on stuff I am uh succession is one of the I I'm off uh, starting Thursday I'm off for like a week so maybe that'll be one of the shows that I'll start. But I've been like, I've been addicted to kidding on Showtime, the the Jim Carrey show. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it is so good. It is incredible. There's nothing like this fucking show on TV. He's playing like this Mr. Rogers type kids entertainer. I, I'll say this in the second episode, like each, the beginning of each episode is like, Kind of like a breakaway from the, the regular episode itself for the most part. In the second episode, it starts off with like these guys stripping a car of its like, uh, you know, hubcaps and like all the, all this, all the stuff in the car, like the expensive stuff, ornaments that they can take and steal and, you know, and, uh, you know, 
they oh yeah they steal the car uh, and then they find in the back of the car and they start taking it apart that's exactly what they they steal the car I'm getting it totally wrong they steal his car they take it all apart and then in the back they find um, a prop it's a puppet that he uses on the show they realize that they've stolen from like this Mr. Rogers type character that they all grew up watching and they loved him growing up and you get this within like the interactions that they have and they're like oh shit so what do they do they like put the car back together again after they've like ripped it and stripped it down they work really hard to put it back together and then they pull it up right in front of his house and as soon as they drive off like he walks out of the house and doesn't realize that anything even happened to his vehicle it's it was just the, a fun, creative way to start the episode. And it had nothing else to do with the rest of the episode. I just thought mm. it's just such a fun, quirky show. You don't sound impressed at all. No, no, I, I am impressed. Like, it just, I like that it's so quirky. Like, that, I, I love that kind of shit. Oh, I, I love odd, quirky It's quirky, shit like but that. It's, it's also fucking dark because you have, yeah. it's really fucking dark. It's really dark. It's, it, it, you know, they, they basically said like, what if Mr. Rogers like lost a child? Who is, who is banging on shit? That's us muting our mic. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> okay. I would rather you just not mute yourself because it sounds like George Washington's chopping down a goddamn cherry tree. <laughs> <laughs> When you try to mute yourself, which is ironic because you try to do something that's supposed to keep you quiet. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it's so loud. <laughs> oh my gosh. What is, is, is your, what is your mute button? Is it like, <laughs> do you have to hit it with a mallet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I'll, all I'm seeing in my head is like Gallagher, like slamming down on a watermelon <laughs> to mute a microphone. It's insane. I'm really not upset. I'm just actually, this is all for comedic effect. You're fine. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So succession on HBO. Check it out. Kidding on Showtime. Check it out. It's fucking great. Even though you guys don't sound impressed at all. <laughs> sound like you don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's got Jim Carrey, Catherine Keener. Really good fucking show. Um, and what's it? Judy Greer's in it too. Um, I'll talk. I, I saw a star is born. Anybody else see a star is born? Uh, no, not yet. I wish. Not yet. All right. I Jim, don't wish so. Jim, I'm that guy. You're that guy. Oh, you're 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 that snob, aren't you? Are you one of the? Oh, I like the original with Judy Garland, or I like the. I like. No, the, he's like I want the monster movie. Oh, okay. All right, you're a monster for not wanting to see this fucking film. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's it's powerful. It's a powerful movie. Uh, seasoned musician Jackson Maine discovers and falls in love with struggling artist Allie. Uh, she just has, uh, she has just about given up on her dream to make it big as a singer until Jack coaxes her into the spotlight. But even as Allie's career takes off, the pers- personal side of their relationship is breaking down as Jack fights an ongoing battle with his own internal demons. It's also directed by Bradley Cooper. It, uh, it stars Bradley Cooper and it's directed by him. It's his first, is his directorial debut. Uh, Lady Gaga's in this movie, Sam Elliott. Um, Andrew Dice Clay is in this fucking movie. He plays Lady Gaga's father in this movie. Um, Dave Chappelle also is in this movie. Uh, I am just going to start off and say this is an absolute Tupperware. This is one of the year's best. Um, I think the first two acts are 
excellent. The, the, the last act is not the best part of it. I, which, which kind of sucks because you want it to end strong. It starts off stronger, but it still ends really good. It, it ends strong, but it's just not as good as like the first two acts. But I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tragic story. It's a fucking tragic story. It's, um, just, I don't know, just incredible performances. And, uh, you know, Lady Gaga, she's going to get nominated. Um, Bradley Cooper might get nominated for five different categories here. Um, even like song, best song. I mean, he helped write that, sh- that song, uh, The Shallows. Um, his performance is, is incredible. Lady Gaga's, her, her performance is absolutely incredible. Um, but like Bradley Cooper had to balance directing and his acting gig here. And he, he basically like, he's this talented musician and he goes, you know, he's, but he's also a, he's also an alcoholic and, um, he goes to a bar one night and, uh, doesn't realize that he's walked into a, uh, a bar that's, uh, um, a bunch of, it's like, it's a drag bar. It's a bunch of drag queens and they're putting on performances and singing. And, but these drag queens, they love Lady Gaga's voice so much that they let her sing and take part in the, in the drag show. And so she comes out on stage one night and Bradley Cooper's just kind of like smitten with her and he's got to meet her and they meet and they have like this crazy like romance. And it's just, a, it's an amazing love story. Um, but of course, you know, she's an, he's an alcoholic and things, you know, things happen. It's, it's just, it's a whirlwind. Um, but to see her get on stage for the first time and sing, and it's a powerful song. She's got a powerful voice. It's just an incredible movie. You got to see this one in the theater. And if you can see it in a Dolby Atmos theater, I highly recommend it. It's going to give you the best sound. It feels like you're like live at a fucking concert. It's really cool to see them go out on stage and like, there's just crowds, sea of people. And it's just, it's a, it really, it, this movie really sweeps you up in the emotion. Like I was forced to tears quite a few times wow. within this movie. It's very fucking powerful. This is one of the year's best. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing film. Um, so yeah, I, I laughed. I cried. It was, it's an absolute Tupperware. I, I highly, highly recommend Andrew Dice Clay's performance in this is so good too. He's so good as the father. Dave Chappelle's got one scene in this movie and he's very good. But, um, Lady Gaga, this is kind of like her breakout role. I, I really feel like this is going to do for her kind of like what the bodyguard did for, for Whitney Houston, which I'm going to talk about next real quick. Real quick, I saw, has anybody else seen the Whitney, um, the Whitney documentary, um, Can I Be Me? No. It's on Showtime. No. It's about Whitney Houston. If you're a Whitney Houston fan, I was growing up and I still am and I don't give a fuck. Yeah, judge me. Fuck you. Um, I love Whitney Houston's music growing up and, uh, I didn't know, I, I, I knew very little about her except for like what would come out in the tabloids about her and Bobby Brown's drug use and shit like that. You need to watch this doc. And I knew she grew up in a Baptist church and she would sing in front of the church and stuff like that. And I knew her, um, what was it? Her uh, aunt was, uh, Dionne Warwick. And that's really all I knew about Whitney. You know, this documentary, it's on Showtime. It's called Whitney. Can I be me? And it is really amazing. There are things that I learned about Whitney Houston that I never would have known had I not watched this. It's, it's not just, it's not just, it's not like she just met Bobby and Bobby turned her on to drugs. It's, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. 
the life that she had. Her father sued her for a hundred million dollars. She was a daddy's girl. And then she's got her 81 year old father suing her for a hundred million dollars. Like, Oh my God. What the fuck does that do to a person? Right? Jeez, that's, oh God, it's terrible. Everybody wanted something from Whitney. Everybody wanted something from Whitney. She suffered like the same, like tragic end, in my opinion, that Michael Jackson did. I think fame and people just fucking chipping away at them killed them. And it's like, in my opinion, in my lifetime, Whitney Houston has the best voice out of any female performer in my lifetime ever. And that's over, you know, Beyonce and Rihanna and Lady Gaga and all of them, you know, all these singers combined. Whitney Houston, in my opinion, like nobody could touch her. Her voice was just incredible. And to see like her towards like the end years where she can't hit those notes, it's because they pushed her so fucking hard and she's doing so Mm -hmm. many drugs and... She, Bobby didn't introduce her to the drugs. You'll find that out in the documentary. Whitney did drugs in her teenage years. It's that's that's interesting because mm-hmm. I I was always of the thought yeah. that it was Bobby that put her on that path. We all were. Did you know? Yeah. Did you know Whitney Houston? Um, she had another love in her life. Whitney Houston was bisexual, and she had a woman in her life. Get out of town! I am not really? Lying. Yes. Yes. Wow. This, oh, I, I gotta watch You've this. gotta watch this. I did oh, not I know it. this about Whitney. And it's like, I think like, once Robin was out of the picture, that's another thing that killed Whitney. And then, you know, things with Bobby fell apart and like, it just everything piled and piled and piled upon her. And then she died at 48. And then her daughter tragically died the exact same way. Yeah. And it's just, it's a sad fucking story. But, uh, oh my God, like, uh, I don't know. I, Whitney, Whitney Houston for me growing up, like, you know, my parents used to play Whitney Houston in the car all the time and I used to listen to Whitney all the time. And so I, I, you know, hold her music really fondly, uh, you know, and, uh, and it's just, I was just kind of blown away. I did not, because the media portrayed her as like one thing and they didn't portray her the way she really was and they didn't actually give her the music that she wanted to sing. And so a lot of the black community kind of looked down on her because they were basically saying like, you sold out, you're, 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 you're fucking, you're singing white people music. You're doing what they want you to do. And it's like, you know, and so that, that, that hurt her too, you know, because, you know, you know, she's, she's getting shunned by, you know, people that she wants to accept her, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's crazy. It's a crazy documentary. It is a crazy documentary. So I highly recommend it. So I don't know. It, you you have to watch it. I mean, I, I can't be here. I can't sit here and say like, I definitively know like, Oh, this is what, this is what, this is why she died. This is what brought her to her death. I can only kind of just say like what the documentary presented. So, but it's a Tupperware. I highly recommend it. Um, and then, I don't know, pass it off to somebody else. Rebecca, you don't go have, for it. Go Rebecca, for it, Rebecca. Do you have anything? Oh. Uh, yeah, I saw a movie last week. Uh, this is a movie that is in limited release, so it's not everywhere. It's called Colette. Has anybody seen this movie? This is the Kira Knightley film. Um, yes. it looks tremendous. Uh, it just started playing here this week. And so I hope to go see it. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So, uh, 
I saw it last week, actually, when Brooke and Cindy were here visiting me for New York Comic Con. We, on a whim, decided to go see this movie. And it turns out that uh, that night that we went to go see it, the director was there for Q&A after the movie. Um, like, we had no clue. We just – we bought tickets to the showing, and it turns out that it was a special thing, and we were – be thrilled beyond words to be there and like hear the director talk about the movie, uh, and, and Colette's life. But, um, so yes, as you mentioned, this is the Kira Knightley movie. Um, Colette, um, is uh, the, the synopsis here is Colette is pushed by her husband to write novels under his name. Upon their success, she fights to make her talents known, challenging gender norms. And Kira Knightley does play Colette. Dominic West plays her husband, Willie. Um, there, this, this cast is mostly British. Um, it's directed by Wash Westmoreland. It's written by Wash. Wa- that's his name, Wash, W-A-S-H. What the fuck? I know. He's, he's directed, um, the only thing. Oh, he was, was he, he was there. He was the guy there, right? Yeah. He, he was there to, to, to talk about the movie. He's, he's British himself. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just never heard that name before. It just kind of caught me off guard. He's, yeah. I, I know. It is kind of an odd name. The only thing that he's done that I knew was, um, the movie with, um, Julianne Moore, still Alice. I haven't seen that one either. And I hear it's excellent. I saw that movie as well. And it's an excellent film. Um, and I didn't realize he was the same director, but it's the same guy. Um, his, his husband who unfortunately passed away, Richard Glatzer also wrote the screenplay with him. So, uh, Colette, for those who don't know, she is a real person. She is a French author who lived at the turn of the century. Oh, yeah. This um, looks incredible. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah, I'm seeing this next week. As soon as you said French author, I remembered the trailer. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to shut up now. Okay. <laughs> so, the, her, her most famous work that, that Colette did is, uh, the play that became a movie called Gigi. So if anyone's seen the musical Gigi, which was made way back in the day, if you've seen the play, that's her work. But she wrote a shit ton more than that. This this movie covers the early part of her life from her young teenage years where she's living in the countryside. She meets her husband, Willie, who is older than her and very sophisticated and he's from the city and he marries her and brings her to well, Paris. What's up with the old time girls back in the day marrying the older guys? Right? Well, it was it was the thing to do because women didn't hold jobs and work so they needed a man to take care of them and it was considered acceptable for an older man to marry a younger woman. Oh, okay. All right. But like, I'm sorry. you know, huge, huge Jeez. differences, of course. So, uh, Rebecca, are you dating a 50-year-old? What's going on here? I, I am not, actually. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to offend. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, basically the story is, you know, th- this guy, Willie, he it was one of the first people to – really build a brand around his name before it was even a thing today to like build a brand around a name. He was doing that. He was putting out magazine articles and books and reviews of plays that were under his name, but they were written by other people. But these were all unknown people who worked for him and he would 
you know, they would write it, he'd polish it up, and then he'd publish it under his name. So it was the Willie brand. Well, he does the same thing with his wife. He convinces her to write this story of her early childhood in the countryside, and he polishes it up, and he publishes it as a, a novel about a young woman who discovers herself sexually and they call it Claudine and Claudine becomes like the toast of Paris. It becomes a play. It becomes a series of novels, which she writes for him um, in the process. Um, Colette discovers her own sexuality that she's attracted to other women and she's attracted to a woman who at the time was living as a man. We today we would say she's trans he's transgender. Back then that word didn't exist. So this is a woman who's living as a man, dressing as a man, acting as a man would, and she's an, he's a, he, he's an outcast from French society, but he and Colette have a relationship together. This movie is so beautiful. It's beautifully shot, it's beautifully written. I will give it a high taste it. There are moments where the movie drags a, a bit and I just feel like, okay, where are we going? There are moments where I feel like the story gets a little bit muddled, but that's my only nitpick. It, the movie is beautifully shot. The costumes are gorgeous. And the idea was that, you know, the idea was they were originally going to make this movie in French. That that's what they wanted to do is they wanted to make this movie in French for the French people about Colette. Um, and while they were writing the, writing the screenplay, someone else came out with a movie or a mini series or something about her life. And they were like, Oh, well, forget that. We're not going to do this in French. Let's do it in English. Let's do it in English for, let's say American society or British society who don't really know that much about Colette. And so that's when this movie switched to becoming uh, English. And that's when they got Kira Knightley on board. They got Dominic West on board. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. If you don't know a lot about her life, uh, this is a great way to get introduced to the beginning of her life. When she makes the decision that she's going to – she wants recognition for writing these books for her husband, the confrontation scene between her and Dominic West is so amazingly shot. I mean it's it's one tight – it's one tight shot on her face only. You never see his face. It's all on her. And she delivers this monologue and it's, and Kira Knightley has never been better. Hmm. I, it's just so damn good. Brian, go see this movie. I will go see it. If yeah. it's playing near you and if you are at all interested in the subject, go see this movie and read about Colette's life. She had an incredible life. She was a woman who did not follow the rules, and I fucking love that about her. She lived the life she wanted to live the way she wanted to live it, and she didn't give a fuck what men of the time said about her because she was living how she wanted to live. And they gave her a state funeral when she died. It was the first time a woman in France got a state funeral because she was that well-known and beloved. She won the Nobel Prize in Literature for all the work that she's done. Hmm. Go see this movie. It is so, so good. Yeah. I've got some movies to watch this week. I got a, what a, a Halloween, of course, and then uh, The Old Man and the Gun. I got to go see that. Mm. 
the Robert Redford. I'm dying to see that movie. Yeah. I, I, I want to see that too. Yeah. And then I, I want to see Colette. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. That's a, I saw the trailer for this a couple times and both times it really grabbed me. Like, wow, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is one of those stories that, you know, basically like this guy's taking credit for like her work. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, exactly. I want to see how that plays out. You know? And what's really interesting is like they become like they become like the Brangelina of their time. Like when they show up at a party, it's like oh, Colette and Willie are here. Like people go crazy for them. They are like the super uber celebrities of their time. And it's this was before like that was really a thing to be like a brand to market yourself mm-hmm. and have a whole thing you know now it's very common you know you've got you know you look at someone like um um Beyonce right like she's got she's a brand music and clothes and perfume and and et cetera, this and that but they they were doing this at the turn of the century when before anybody thought about doing it it's such an interesting movie. I think Dominic West also delivers an amazing performance. But, you know, of course, he's very secondary in this story. Colette is the main focus of of the story, as it should be. It's it's a biopic about her life. And, um, oh, God, just go see it and then read about her. Read about her life and what she did after these events because her life after these events was even more colorful. And she did so much shit after this. It's so good. Hmm. Such a good movie. Yeah, I will definitely. This is one I got to try to see. I got to try to see this. Yeah, one. I think I, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. I really do. Oh, I do too. Um, I'm going to talk real quick about uh, a movie that I saw at home. With I talked about my Roku earlier. Remember that? Very exciting. Remember Very when exciting. I talked? Hey, fuck it. you! <laughs> <laughs> I talked about my. I'm telling you, these Roku's are fantastic. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, the Walmart, I don't, you know, they got the Roku, like deluxe or whatever. You can get 4K on it and shit and all that stuff if you want to spend the extra money. But if you just want to spend $29.95 and just, uh, it's basically, it's, it's like you just, it's like a strap on that you put on your TV and it just turns your TV into the, you know, a, a wonderful thing at that point. You got just like a strap on, like, Instant entertainment, right? So, um, yeah, I got the Roku, but it, it came with something called the Roku channel. And I was like, ah, Roku channel. This is going to be bullshit. Roku. What, what, what the fuck is Roku going to be? What kind of entertainment is, is Roku going to be giving me? And I was flipping around and they had, they had the old Robocop TV series on there. Um, they actually have some really <laughs> good movies on there. I was kind of blown away by some of the movies they had on. They got like Ghostbusters. They got all, all five original Rocky films. Um, but they have, uh, uh, what was it? They had this movie called Craigslist Joe. Have you guys ever heard of this? It's a- no. No. Nope. Uh, you guys are giggling over there, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It's a movie called Craigslist Joe. And I was like, what is this? And it was a documentary from 2012. And uh, here's the synopsis. It was, uh, yeah, 29-year-old Joseph Garner cut himself off from everyone he knew and everything he owned to embark on a bold adventure. Armed with only a laptop, cell phone, toothbrush, and the clothes on his back, alongside the hope that community was not gone but just had shifted, Joe lived for a month looking for alms in America's Newtown Square. Craigslist, 
for 31 December days and nights, everything in his life would come from Craigslist website, from transportation to food, from shelter to companionship. Joe would depend on the generosity of people who had never seen him and whose sole connection to him was a giant virtual swap meet. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, when uh, Morgan Spurlock did, you know, the 30 days where he ate the McDonald's, the supersize me thing. This is basically you've got this young guy, 29 year old Joseph Garner, and he's going to live solely. He has no money. He's got a cell phone, laptop, and he's going to, he's basically going to live off of Craigslist and ask for rides on, like, Craigslist is kind of like, you know, the classified ads of like the newspapers back in the day. You know what I mean? And it's all there. It's all virtual. So you can click on different things. And so if somebody's offering like a free class of like a dancing class or if somebody's, this is, these are the things that he's doing. And he's, and he's getting rides from people that he's meeting on Craigslist. He's requesting rides. He's requesting, you know, food, shelter. Um, this whole, th- it basically in 31 days, this guy goes from, he goes to Los Angeles. He goes to Portland. He goes to Seattle. Um, he, he spends time with, uh, this old, this old guy who, who joined these improv classes and he goes to it like a free improv class. And then, uh, then he spent the night with, uh, with an Iraqi family and they were talking about how hard it was after 9-11 happened and how people before didn't treat them like shit. And then after 9-11 happened, people start to yell at them on the street and tell them to go home and stuff like that. And he's hearing these stories. And then like, then he goes to Chicago and he spends the night at a dominatrix's apartment and just, and he, he, he spends the night in this one, uh, no, he, uh, this woman puts up an ad, uh, to help her. She's a hoarder and to help her clean up her, uh, apartment. And he goes to this woman's house and she still can't part with everything. So he just helps her organize and come to find out like she's an actress and she played like, uh, she played a really small role in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. She was one of the streetwalkers that, like, propositioned Kevin on the street, you know? And, mm-hmm. but now she's, like, kind of, like, not doing too well mentally and having a hard time at life. And, and, uh, then he goes to New York City and then he goes to Florida and then he goes back to California and he does this all within 31 days. He does it without any money of his own, catching rides with people. He goes on a ride with some guy in his van and the van keeps breaking down. And I mean, this is all, there's like one night where he didn't know if he was going to be able to sleep anywhere. Like he didn't know if he was going to be stuck out in the street and it's fucking December. Um, it's just cool to see like the people he encounters and uh, I I just wish we could have spent a little bit time, a little bit more time like getting to know some of the people that he meets in this one. It moves really quick and he does a lot of different things on Craigslist. Like he takes up like free classes and, and stuff like that. And sometimes you don't get to spend a lot of time with people or a lot of time with the people on the road trips, but overall I'm going to give it a high taste. And I thought it was pretty good. Um, the critics hated it. It had like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a 64% by the audience. So I don't know if you can watch this on Amazon, but if you have a Roku, <laughs> like me, <laughs> you can watch it on the Roku channel. 
This sounds really interesting, actually. It was really good. I liked it. It's, you guys giggled at me when I said Craigslist Joe, and you're all it's a funny name, judgy and shit. So I'm sorry I'm Ryan. not talking about <clears throat> French movies. People writing stuff about Gigi, and oh I'm not God. hanging out with fucking directors at the premiere. But I'm talking about Craigslist Joe. What now? What, what do you got, Josh? Did uh, he have any like close calls? Because that's kind of the stereotype that you think of with Craigslist. Like, yeah, there's a lot of legit things that are on there, but then you also have yeah. some of the super shady people sure. who are just trying to, you know, maybe yeah. rob you, yeah. uh, maybe try and pull you over on a deal or something like that. Were all of his experiences positive, or did he have any close calls? They were all positive. The only bad experience he had was somebody promised to meet him somewhere and they didn't show up. Um, that was it. And it was amazing. It was kind of, it kind of showed you like it brings back a little bit of your faith in humanity that deep down most people are good. You want to believe that? And that's kind of like what you see here, like the generosity of people. Like one guy just brought him in for a night and gave him some food and let him go. And he left the next day. And, you know, people were giving him rides all over the country. It was was pretty incredible. it's 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 a pretty cool documentary. I I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I was glad that I that I watched this one. Um, and I, I I don't agree with the critics here. I I do side with the audience with the sixty four percent. It's definitely not a twenty percent. It's not structured well. It's not like I Bing Liu who directed Minding the Gap. That doctor documentary you can watch it on Hulu. That is fantastic. Um, you know like. You look at it and you're like, oh, it's just a skating documentary. No, it's not. It's not a skating documentary. Like skating plays a part in these three guys' relationships, but it's not a, like that is a that's an incredible documentary. This is not on that level, but I still got a really good message out of it, and I had enjoyment when I watched it. So I'm gonna give it a high taste. It, but no, there wasn't anybody that like tried to like rob him or like do anything bad and he wasn't really like you know selling something on there i think that that's where a lot of shit happens like people selling and i guess you know like meet me here and then like they get robbed or mugged but like nothing bad happened to him really on this trip at all which is yeah that's awesome which is really good so you know what? We're going to take a fucking break. This has gone on. They've gone on an hour and a half. We're going to take a quick break. I still got to talk about a couple more things. Actually, I got a few more things to talk about in Good Pop, Bad Pop. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we'll finish up with that. back and we are going to continue with our extended good pop bad pop so yeah uh i got lots more to talk about but april i know you got one more thing yeah i watched the first episode of the romanoffs on amazon prime has anyone watched this 
No, I've been seeing uh, articles about it. I didn't even know that it was out and that it was a show on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I, thought, yeah, I, I, just thought, I thought it was about Scarlet Witch. I thought it was about Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> they released two episodes already, but it's going to continue to come out every Friday. So it's an anthology series around the globe with eight separate stories about people who believe they are descendants of the Romanoff family. The first episode stars Aaron Eckhart, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought I'd give it a shot. It's a low taste, in my opinion. It doesn't have a very good plot, and the fact that it doesn't intertwine with any of the other episodes, I have no idea where this is even going. So I might give this second episode a shot, but yeah, it's a low taste for me. If you think you would like it, give it a shot. But if not, I don't think you're missing much. Hmm. Yeah, that sucks because usually Amazon Prime's uh, Amazon Prime is putting out some good content. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. It has a hell of a, ca- a cast overall. So maybe they'll get better. But the first episode just didn't do it for me. Hmm. Yeah, Aaron Eckhart. I'm fifty fifty on him. He did that. Was it I Frankenstein? Was that him? Did he do that? I'm not sure. Yeah, that movie was crap. Um, but you know, I liked him. I liked him as Harvey Dent and, uh, he's in a, uh, oh fuck. He's in a, a movie and you can't, you can't watch it anywhere, but you can buy the DVD. But when you buy the DVD, sorry, my cat is climbing up on the table and dude, Hey, he, he, come here, buddy. All right. He's, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he was climbing over my lap, and he was he was hung up on the he was hung up on my headphones. All right, yeah, you got your food on the table. Eat it. Yeah, I got a cat eating on my table. The cat's not as loud as our mute button, so it's fine. I, I, he was he was quieter than your fucking mute button. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Oh my god. Ah, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, Aaron, he was in a movie called Thursday. Anybody, nobody here has seen Thursday. I no, guarantee never heard you. Of that. I guarantee nobody here. It's, uh, it's called Thursday. And, um, oh my God, it's got, uh, who's the other guy in it? Tom, Thomas Jane. It is a fucked up movie if you ever watch Thursday. I own it on DVD and I had to buy it. It's from like, it comes from like, uh, Korea or something like that, but it's all, and so you can watch it with like Korean subtitles, but, uh, I had to buy it because I watched it years ago on VHS. It is a fucked up movie. There is a scene in the movie where Thomas Jane gets raped by a woman. I have never seen a scene like that in a movie in my life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sounds crazy. It's fucking. It's weird. He's in a garage and she ties him up to the chair and straddles him. And just goes to town on Thomas Jane. Yeah. And she's wearing a, uh, she's wearing like a, like a football, like letterman jacket. And on the back it says cunt. (laughs) It is a, it is a bizarre, it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah, you'd have to see this movie. It's, it's, it's in, it's called Thursday. It's absolutely insane. So, yeah. So yeah, the Romanoffs. I was, cause I got it mixed up with Maximoff, which is the Scarlet Witch 
That's her last name, right? Maximoff? Hello. Wanda Maximoff? You guys know. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, yeah, you think that. Nobody knows. Anyway, (laughs) I saw, what else did I see? Oh, I, I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, I saw that. You did? Yep. Josh, did you see it? No, I uh, stayed home and babysat today, so. Ah. <sighs> ah, you missed yeah, that's, out. Uh, uh, that's usually how it goes. Uh, she she gets to see the movies, and I'm staying home with the kids. Oh, so she's... shit. We are getting closer to having that marriage counseling podcast. <laughs> I, see some, I see some problems here. All right. She gets to see the movies. She she watches TV shows oh. without me. I mean, this is really out of control. Oh shit! His got... thing is, his thing is Hearthstone. Don't let him kid you. Oh wow, <laughs> wow. So yeah, we got some issues bubbling up to the surface here. <laughs> Maybe we should dive deeper into this. No, I'm kidding. Bad Times at the El Royale. Seven Strangers. This is one of my most anticipated movies over the last few months. Seven Strangers, each with a secret to bury, meet at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a rundown hotel with a dark past. Over the course of one fateful night, everyone will have a last shot at redemption before everything goes to hell. It's written and directed by Cabin in the Woods director Drew Goddard. Uh, it stars Jeff Bridges, uh, Cynthia Erivo, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm. Chris Hemsworth, uh, uh, Lewis Pullman, who is uh, Bill Pullman's son in real life, Nick Offerman, uh, Shea Wiggum. Uh, I, I'm going to start off and say I, I saw this opening night. Uh, this is incredible. I give it a Tupperware. This, this movie was absolutely awesome. I, I think this is breakout performances here uh, by uh, by uh, Cynthia Erivo. Um, also, uh, uh, Lewis Pullman and, uh, Chris Hemsworth was just fantastic in this movie. So good. This, oh my God, this, this movie is just absolutely incredible. There are, there are scenes in this movie that's just like, like, I jumped out of my seat because they just shocked me. I was just like, and, and I, I can't really kind of like, talk too much about it other than everyone they meet at this really unique hotel that's basically on the um on the on the border of uh nevada and california so half of the hotel is in nevada and half the uh, hotel is in california and there's one side of the hotel where they're all really staying and you have different stories from each room of what's happening in that room. And there's – this is not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. They're, the way that the hotel is set up, management has set it up to where they can see what's happening individually in each room. The mirrors that are in the room, they can look in and they can record what people are doing. And so basically in the past, they've had politicians there and they get dirt on people. They record – what people are doing in these rooms. Each room has its own story within this. You've got Jeff Bridges, who's playing a priest, who actually is kind of like a, he's a bank robber. And then you've got uh, another room with another story, another room with another unique story. And then John Hamm's character, he plays a vacuum salesman. And that's kind of a cover for what he really is. And just bad things happen. Bad things happen. All these different stories kind of collide at this one hotel, and bad things happen. And it is just an incredible movie, and the character development is great. There are things that the movie holds back on. 
it holds back on certain parts of different characters and it shows you their backstory when it wants you to know about them and it all kind of comes together to form like in my opinion a fantastic film i give it a tupperware april what did you think um, I wouldn't say I love this movie as much as you did. I would give it a taste it. Um, I was really wishing for more of the backstory from each character. I agree that they purposely leave a lot out for you to figure out on your own. It's great how it comes together at the end, but I definitely wanted more Chris Hemsworth in this movie. And I don't know, just more, I guess, of an interesting plot when they come together i kind of thought it fell apart at the end instead of getting better like you did so i think it's an interesting concept i wanted more information about previous guests that had stayed there i thought that would have been a really cool storyline to go down but overall it's just a taste it for me Ah, see i loved it i thought it was great i as far as like i think with an ensemble cast like this, I think they gave everybody the right amount of time. I think they introduced Chris Hemsworth at the right moment. Um, they gave you a little bit of him before, and then when he finally comes in, I don't know. I think they gave everybody really good scenes, and the characters were fantastic. I I, I got to disagree. I, just, I thought that this movie was so inventive and so fun. And when it first starts out, I was thinking like, oh, my God, this could be like a stage play. But then it really opens up and like you're going to other places than just the hotel. And I'm like, wow, this is this is a, this is a, we've got a movie here. This is really good. Um, I don't know. I, I, I Tupperware this. I think this is one that you have to. In my opinion, I think you have to see this in the theater with a crowd, except for the fucking guy behind me. Oh, my God. This motherfucker. Fucker was going. <laughs> I I had to hear that shit the whole fucking movie, even in parts that weren't funny. There were parts where he was going. <laughs> that was his laugh, and it was driving me nuts. I wanted to turn around and go <laughs> to just shut him up. And I know everybody in there would have fucking applauded me because he was doing it the whole movie. It was driving me crazy. Like all these horrific things are playing out on screen where people are like hurting each other and slicing throats and shit like that. And I wanted to do it to this guy while I was watching this movie. And then I wanted to say, <laughs> as I did it, I was so pissed off at this motherfucker. He almost ruined this movie for me. But I think I loved it. I thought it was an absolute Tupperware. I thought it was so fantastic. And just just the way that Drew Goddard kind of like wrote everybody to their strengths and just working with like such an incredible ensemble cast – I don't know. I, I I really think that this is one that you need to sit down and watch in a dark theater. It was really good. So, and I'm sorry you only thought it was a taste it, but you know. Yeah, I can't really get past Dakota Johnson. I think she's not a very good actress, and I didn't really like her storyline. I understand it gets the sister into the storyline, but they didn't give a lot of her backstory story that I would have liked. So, she didn't help the cause. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of I disagree. I liked it. I, I came home from seeing this movie and I was like, 
I don't think I really like this movie, and Brian's going to Tupper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Brian's going to chastise me on the episode for it. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, so definitely I think so. I would 100% endorse this film. I think it is like, I, I, you know, uh, who's banging on the goddamn mic again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm now I'm expecting like the guy to start going hmm, during our podcast. Oh God, he's here! I know it's it's anyway. Um, I I think everybody should go see this one. I think it's I think um, Drew Goddard as far as like writing dialogue and the way that this movie played out, it was so stylized and so different and new in my opinion that he's kind of got his own voice when it comes to this. It's like the closest thing to maybe a Tarantino clone that I've ever seen um, without being Tarantino-esque, which I guess that makes no sense. But watch the movie and judge for yourself. Uh, I saw First Man today. Uh, this is the new uh, Damien Chazelle film with uh, Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy. Uh, it's a look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. And uh, it also has Pablo Shriver. Um, he sh- he's clean shaven in this one, so you don't really recognize him like you do in American Gods. Uh, let's see here. Ethan Embry is in it. Uh, Kieran Hines, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler's in this. Shea Wiggum is also in this film. Uh, Corey Stoll. I, I thought that this was, this is not like Apollo 13 where, and I love Apollo 13, don't get me wrong, I think that's a great movie, but Apollo 13 is like, kind of like, you know, like, all these astronauts get together and they overcome, and it's just a feel-good story. A lot of bad shit happens in that movie, but like, this movie kind of shows you kind of like the dark side of, of, like, what it takes to like, be the first man to step on the moon, and the sacrifices that Neil Armstrong had to go through in his life. I didn't know that he lost a daughter to, I believe it was cancer. And I didn't know he lost. Yeah. I didn't know that. And, um, throughout the whole movie, I'm wondering like, what, what is this guy's drive? Why is he, why is he pushing himself, himself so hard in the space program to, to be, you know, I, I don't, I just don't see this drive, this will that he has. He's very calculated and very, very smart. And he, he's the kind of guy that very logical and, and he can get the job done. And when you're in a high pressure situation, like he's going to get you out of it. And I see that side to him. I just didn't see his drive as to like what was keeping him in the space program and like why he was pushing himself. And then it all comes together at the end. It, it's, it's, I wish I would have saw this in IMAX. I promised myself I would, but I I just didn't get a chance to. There wasn't a showing in IMAX that I could see today because I hear like the whole movie is just like you watch the movie and the only time it's actually shot in IMAX is like when they're on the moon at the end. Spoilers. He fucking makes it to the moon. But what? Yeah. What? what, what? <laughs> um, yeah. He makes it to the moon at the end. And I hear like in the IMAX screen, it opens up into that wide IMAX shot when they're on the moon. So it feels like completely different and surreal. It was still incredible. It was still incredible once they made it to the moon and it looked incredible. Um, Claire Foy as Janet Armstrong, his wife, she has a very strong performance in this. 
Ryan Gosling, you see just kind of like what Neil Armstrong went through to get to where he was to be in this mission and a lot of loss. I mean, for all the, for all the accolades and, uh, fame, you know, he's like, he's like, he's a national treasure after this happens once he steps on the moon. But like before that, all the loss in his life from the loss of his daughter to all the different pilots and men that worked for NASA that died to try to get us up to the moon to, to, you know, get, get the first man on the moon. It's, this is an emotional movie. And, um, I, I, I gotta give it a Tupperware. Like the Damon Chazelle just does a fantastic job. It's like shots in this film, just some of the shots and even the musical score. Like if you, it's very subtle, but like, the musical score, there's times where it's like, it sounds very like whimsical and uplifting. And then it just, it's very dark and brooding. Um, and it gives you the fear. It makes space fucking scary. And it shows you just how small we are in the universe. When you've basically got men, just men that don't, they've never done this before. This is the unknown. This is like back in the, back in the fucking days when we thought the earth was fucking flat and you would fall off if you sit, you could sail off the earth. Like these guys didn't know what's out there. They didn't know what to expect. They're flying up in a fucking tin can and it's out of control and, 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 and this ship is just rattling and anything can go wrong. Like once you're out there, there's like, there's nothing to save you except for just like, keeping your head and 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 making the right decisions and keeping your cool and it's hard to keep your cool when you're spinning out of control and you're about ready to pass out it this is just i think this is really kind of like it gives you that feeling when you're when you're watching this in a theater on a big screen it gives you that the closest that you'll ever feel to like being an astronaut and to feel like kind of like what they went through which is probably just like one one hundredth of what the, these guys actually felt, and it made me. I was thinking like throughout the whole movie, I can't imagine what it was really like for Neil Armstrong to step out onto the moon and look at that surface for the first time. Be the only man to look at that surface with his own eyes up there and be on a on a, on a planet and look back at the Earth. It was just just an incredible film and the way it was shot. Kind of a beautiful movie and. And it shows you like Neil Armstrong and his relationship with his wife and how much it strained their marriage and showed you what a strong woman she was to stay with him throughout this whole thing. So I Tupperware this movie. I think that this, I think First Man is, is a movie that, uh, that you should see in the theater. It's definitely, I, and I, I think I'm going to go back and hopefully get to watch this in IMAX. This is, this is a pretty good movie. I'm not saying film of the year. But I definitely, it's an experience. It's definitely an experience. I think Damon, Damon Chazelle captured that experience of like the first man. It's called first man and it puts you in the first man's shoes. It actually, like you are looking down at Neil Armstrong's feet when he steps on the moon for the first time. Like that's what this movie's about. It's like, you know, you, you've seen the footage, but here you are. It's like his point of view and what he sees. And it's, it's pretty unreal. I, I, I was, I, you felt transported in this movie. It was pretty wild. Like, I couldn't believe, there's some fucking asshole that got up, like, and went to go take a piss, like, right when they land on the moon. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Are you, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? 
That's surpri- the best part. Why you getting up now? <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't hear on the way out, you know? Oh, it's that asshole again. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured it was you. Fuck not. Anyway, last thing I want to talk about is uh anybody started uh The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? No, I don't do scary stuff. No, me neither. <laughs> Pussies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Rebecca, I know you didn't start it, did you? No, but no, I, I'm trying to like branch out a little bit and watch more scarier stuff, but I haven't started this one yet. Okay. The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. This is based on, uh, on a book. I can't remember the name of the author. Uh, but, uh, it's flashing between past and present. A fractured family confronts haunting memories of their old home and the terrifying events that drove them from it. It's created by Mike Flanagan. Uh, he's done a lot of kind of like horror stuff. He did the, uh, Gerald's game on Netflix. Uh, he did Oculus. Uh, he did the, uh, Ouija origin of evil film. He did before I wake. And, uh, he, he's the creator and he's directed a, quite a few of these episodes of the haunting of Hill house. Um, this stars, um, the, basically you've got, it flashes between past and presence of five children in this family. And so you have the five adult actors, then you have the five children actors. So you've got like McKenna Grace is in this, um, Carla Gugino, um, Timothy Hutton, uh, Henry Thomas. He was, uh, Elliot in E.T. And there's actually in this, it flashes back to like 1992 and these kids are kids and they have a, uh, lunchbox, an E.T. lunchbox. And it's kind of like an Easter egg because Henry Thomas is in the series. Um, uh, a lot of the other people in this I've never seen before. Like those are some of the main actors, but like some of the other actors that play like these kids when they're kids and like when they're adults, they're really good. I, uh, I, I am, I'm almost through the fifth episode. I've got 15 minutes left in the fifth episode. There's 10 episodes to this one. And this is a, I don't want to call it like a slow burn horror. I hate slow burn. I, I don't know. I, I hate calling it a slow burn. There's a lot of character development and it, it's, it's like a puzzle. Like they show you what they want to show you. There's this one big event that happens in the house. Like there's all these small events. This house is haunted and there's all these small events that happen within the house. Like kids being haunted by spirits and these apparitions within the house and the parents don't believe them. But then it'll, it'll flash forward to like the night where they leave the house for good. And it's, this is like the parents know that this house is fucked up. And you've got this one scene where dad is like telling one of the sons, I want you to hold on to me and we're going to run through this door and you keep your eyes closed and just hold on to me as tight as you can. And don't open your eyes and look at anything. So it's like, what, what, what's going on in this house? What, what kind of shit is going on in this house? What, what is this kid going to see if he opens his eyes? And the kid does open his eyes and he does see something for a split second. And there's some, some really creepy shit going on when these kids are alone in their rooms. And these kids see some really creepy shit. And you've got five, five episodes in, like each of these kids have now had like their own story episode so far. And, um, so you get to see like them in their childhood and they get to see them in their adulthood. 
one of the kids is kind of unscathed from this whole thing. He didn't really see anything happen in the house. And he actually grew up and became kind of like a Stephen King author. And he wrote about this and he's making money off their stories. And the other kids are upset with him because like he didn't have to go through any of the traumatic stuff of like what was actually happening in that house and the hauntings within the house. And he's making money off of their lives and their stories. You've got another one who grows up to become a drug addict. You got another one who she's got some sort of an ability that was passed down from her mother. That's, this is a, this is so, this is what American horror story has not been for the, like the last five, six seasons. This is so good. This is such good storytelling. And it, it, it's not constant. It's not, it's not, um, jump scares and stuff like that. That's not what this is about. This just kind of like shows you these, ki- these, these kids alone in their rooms and, 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 and scary things happening and how it's affecting them in adulthood. And the movie's kind of a puzzle and it's showing you different pieces one at a time and you're putting them together. And now by episode five, some of these things are starting to, it's starting to be a story here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come on here and say like, oh, I'm just, I don't know how it ends. So I'm just going to give it a high taste it. I don't know how it ends. So it might end, it might be a piece of shit by the time I get to the end of it. All I can tell you is about what I've seen and it is an absolute Tupperware from, from start to, to where I am in the series. This is so good. This is so Mm. good. I've been let down by a lot of horror this year. Like the nun was not good. You know, um, and, uh, like, uh, what else? Um, like, uh, the, the American Horror Story, I haven't watched it this season, but I've been let down by past seasons. And, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of it when it came out last year. I gave it a taste it. I thought it was fine. This is just, this is just so good. They have so much time to, like, flesh this out. And I think, like, this director, Mike Flanagan, is just doing such a great job. Like he's credited as, as like he's credited as like the good like there were two Ouija movies Ouija and then Ouija Origin of Evil and like the sequel which is actually the prequel in the series is better than the original and that was because of Mike Flanagan and he's doing it here again and this is this is so good you get on this like for our listeners that like love horror and you don't care about like constant like blood and guts and gore and and you don't have to have like crazy things happening all the time, but you're just kind of like being spoon fed pieces of this story, but it's still engaging and you're still like interested in these characters. Like these characters have their own lives. Like it's not all just about like seeing like there's this, the long necked woman or there's this other creepy guy that like is really tall and slender and floats around with a cane and. It's fucking freaky. It's fucking freaky when you do see that shit, but it's not all about that. It's about the characters. It's about, like, how they interact with... The fifth episode, when they set up the character of Nell, when you get to see more of Nell, the first 12 minutes, they show you one of the most amazing romances in 12 minutes. Uh, uh, And it's like, that's great fucking storytelling in a horror kind of, like... TV show where they could show you like a romance in 12 minutes and you're kind of like, like, wow, what a beautiful blossoming relationship (laughs) in 12 minutes. They fucking kill it. 
And then it, it's just so amazing. It's it's just so good. This is this is so fucking good. I'm only like I said, five episodes in. I got five left. And the only reason I'm five episodes in is because I only watch this at night. I will not watch this fuck. I'm not gonna watch this at fucking two in the afternoon on a Sunday with the lights on. This is like <laughs> you need that. You need that fucking. You need the lights out. You need it to be nighttime. You need you need to be freaked out. Have all the lights out and watch this. The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Get on it. If you got Netflix, start watching this. This is so good. It's so good. It's a breath of fresh air from some of the crappy horror bullshit that we get sometimes. This is so good. Great storytelling. All the actors are killing it. Doing a great job here. It's Some of the special effects aren't great, but some of them do work. I loved it. Rebecca, are you going to watch this? Are you going to try it? You know it? what? I might. I've been trying. I've been doing the Rocktober challenge that Scott Shooty's doing on Tales from the Yard. And so I'm watching scary, tense movies mm-hmm. for that. So I am trying to step outside because normally I just be like, nope, I ain't watching that. Nope, I ain't watching it. But, you know, I'm trying to branch out. So I will actually watch the first episode of this. And right. I, I'm big old scaredy cat i will leave the lights on when i watch it but i will i will give the first episode a try and see if i can get if, if i can get into it so because it sounds really interesting like what how you're describing it it that, sounds like something i i would enjoy if it's not a like a ton of yeah. jump scares no 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 it's not jump scares it's really not it's 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 not you know it's it's not jump scares it's so good which makes it so much mm-hmm. creepier when you kind of watch it so it's like more tense than like, like a like a jump scare horror thing. Yeah, you, children frozen in fear, you know. And, oh, great! Children <laughs> scream. Yeah, I mean that's that's what worked for fucking Jurassic Park, right? Right. I mean, no, it's true. Absolutely they don't. True. I know it's it's a fucking trope in horror movies that the kids get to see the fucking ghosts first, and it's that it's just always been that way. Which I kind of think that it would be kind of cool. I was thinking about this. I was like. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if they had a fucking horror movie where the kids couldn't see the ghosts and it was just the parents? That'd be kind of neat. And the parents are freaked out and like the parents are looking on the couch and their kids sitting next to like a ghoul or something and the parents are the ones freaking out. Yeah. That that actually would be kind of interesting like to flip that, uh, flip flip that trope around. Flip the script where the kids are like, mom, stop it. There's nothing, you know? But see, that's the thing. Parents can take control and like they can leave the house. So when you have a kid there, it's always like, oh, imaginary friends and you're making shit up. And, and so that's what makes this, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking horror trope, but it really works well here. And each of these kids grow up differently and are affected differently by this whole experience. So you're bouncing back and forth and it's like, you can make those comparisons to it, but I think this is completely different. I really do. I really think this is completely different than it because they're kind of like, um, I don't know. I, I, I would give this a shot. I, I thought it was, the acting is fantastic. Um, Timothy Hutton, you know, big actor, but he's barely in this. So I'm really expecting to see a lot more of his character. Um, he, Timothy Hutton plays the older Henry Thomas <laughs> in this. And so I'm expecting to see more Timothy Hutton in the latter episodes. I think they're holding him kind of tight to the chest What's happening with, uh, you know, the older character of Hugh Crane in this, uh, series? Fucking The Haunting of. Watch, just fucking watch it, people. It's really fucking good. 
It's got a 9.1 on IMDb right now. People are loving this. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it sounds really, really good, like the yeah. way you're describing it's it. Good. I I promise to at least watch the first episode and, and more if I, if I can, but I will definitely give this a shot. Josh, are you not going to watch it? You were talking about Monsters earlier. You're not going to watch a, a, a Star is Born because you're into Monsters. You're not going to watch this? Uh, our kids already keep us up enough at night that I don't need to think about how our house that we just bought is haunted. So <laughs> oh. I will not watch this. I will find one of the other great recommendations from the show, but it's going to be a hard pass for me. Hmm. Maybe one day I will talk. I think I've talked about it on one of our previous episodes years ago, but I lived in a house that had things happening in it. And I believe that the house was haunted and I could talk about that maybe in a future episode. <laughs> Oh my fucking god, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I lived in a house years ago in my, um, early 20s, and, um, I, uh, was woken up, not, woken up once, and then on another night, I was, both times I was tapped on the shoulder, I was touched by something that was not in the room. So, yeah, I could talk about that in a future episode. Yeah, I'd move. (laughs) <laughs> no it, it was weird i'll talk about it on a future episode i'm not gonna do it now we got a lot of stuff to cover but yeah 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 people pray like oh wait, wait, you no you just had nerves twitching no I, it was not nerves trust me trust me it was not nerves this happened on two and, and other things happened in this house which was really weird so um yeah I, yeah i have to talk about that on a future episode if people want to hear it maybe when we get closer to fucking halloween i'll talk about that but Let's move on into our news section of the show. Yeah, uh, Hellboy, uh, they debuted the trailer at New York Comic Con and they did not release the fucking trailer and I am pissed. I heard That's it was. Bummer. It hasn't even been leaked or anything? Like no. nobody's leaked it online anywhere? I, I, you know, I've heard they, Screen Rant had a Hellboy, uh, trailer description. And, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a leaked, you know, trailer as of yet. But I haven't really sought one out either. But usually that kind of stuff, like, I'm subscribed to so many things, it usually pops up in my feeds. So, you know, I, cause I saw the, the, Russian Dark Phoenix trailer real quick. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen this anywhere. So, yeah. But uh, I'm a little pissed that I haven't seen That they haven't released this yet. Yeah, that's surprising. Like, I would think that they would, unless they're just holding off for, like, some big, big reveal or whatever. But usually, like, after it's abused at a, at a Comic-Con, you can usually expect it to kind of drop... Yeah. Online. Yeah. Yeah. Hellboy, I mean, David Harbour looks great in that poster. He looks absolutely fantastic. It looks really cool. I can't wait. Ian McShane's in this. Oh, my God. They Here's the trailer description. I'll just read it. Uh, the trailer opened with a scene in which Hellboy arriving at a crime scene with cops surrounding a building. When Hellboy exits his vehicle, a panicking SWAT officer shoots at him, and Hellboy, annoyed, yells, I'm on your side. The officer apologizes, replying, my bad. From there, the footage launched into a collection of brief clips set to Billy Idol's Moni Moni. 
And then a series of clips introduces the Bureau uh, for Paranormal Research and Defense, which Ian McShane's Professor Brutenholm describes as the line in the sand, we fight against the forces of darkness. Uh, the BPRD arrive at their secret headquarters in England, whose front is a quaint little shop. Hellboy is skeptical, and Kim's Ben Daimio asks him if he expected it to be labeled secret headquarters. When they go in, the old lady behind the counter asks Hellboy for ID, and he asks, are you serious? <laughs> Hellboy is asked if his hand of doom can do anything special. He replies, it smashes things real good, and then offers a demonstration. Uh, ben Daimio isn't too happy when he first meets Hellboy, saying, I thought we were fighting monsters, not working with them. Hellboy retorts, who you calling monster, pal? You look in the mirror recently, Scarface? Yeah, uh, Ben Daimio was originally, it was Ed Skrine that was going to play that character. And then they uh, they took a lot of shit for whitewashing that character. And so Ben Daimio got the role. Ed Skrine dropped out of the project, if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. In another clip, Hellboy calls Ben an asshole. It seems like there will be a fair bit of friction between these two. Hellboy wonders aloud if he's nothing more than a weapon, and Professor Brutenholm tells him that if he wants him to be the best version of himself that he can be, Professor Brutenholm gives Hellboy his gun, the Good Samaritan. Hellboy cocks the gun and comments, some parents get their kids Legos. That's awesome. Hellboy and Alice are seen fighting side by side in a setting that resembles a factory with Brutenholm saying in a voiceover, you are our own, you are our last and only hope. Hellboy interrupts a ritual being held by the blood queen, sardonically asking her, did I interrupt? She replies, no, you're right on time. There's plenty of action, including one particularly bloody clip of someone getting shot in the head and gore splattering towards the camera, emphasizing that this will be an R rated affair. The trailer ends with an impressive shot of Hellboy in his full demonic glory, rising from a pit with his flaming sword and crown. The crowd went crazy when they saw this. Wow, that sounds so fucking awesome. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait to see it. You guys sound excited as fuck. (laughs) It sounds good in theory, so I'm interested to see a trailer. Mm-hmm. I hope uh, we probably won't see that exact trailer. Uh, probably see something with some of those shots, but we probably won't see that exact trailer. I hope that when they do release the trailer, I hope they do release a red band trailer because I do want to see that clip of someone getting shot in the head and then blood spilling out under the camera lens. I want to see that. Did you guys see that David Harbor, he's been doing the, these retweet challenges? No, I haven't. And he's been. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one about the officiating the the wedding. Yeah, yeah. So he sent out. He's been sending, doing all these different retweet challenges. Like if you do this and retweet it so many times, I'll do this or whatever. I'll make a video of this. He sent out the call and he and he asked people for retweeting challenges. And somebody asked him, like, you know, would you officiate our wedding? I'm getting married. Would you officiate our wedding in full Hellboy costume? If we hit a certain amount of tweets and he agreed to that one. So he said, if that post gets 666,000 retweets, he'll officiate the wedding in full Hellboy costume. How fucking cool is that? 
That is amazing. That's very cool. I, I really hope that I, I, I hope they make it. I really do. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I hope it's done in a church. I want to see. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's crazy. What church would allow him in full Hellboy costume to go in there and do it? That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. But fucking, I love David Harbour and his enthusiasm. Uh, and what he's doing on social media. There's so much bullshit on social media. And it's just nice to see a guy out there fucking having a lot of fun and doing some fun things for fans. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, Star Trek related news from DarkHorizons.com out of New York Comic Con. Following the panel for the second season of Star Trek Discovery at New York Comic Con this weekend, Trek Movie sat down with executive producers Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden and managed to get a few questions in about the other upcoming Star Trek series in the works for CBS All Access. In August, Kurtzman and Sir Patrick Stewart shocked fans with the announcement that Stewart would reprise his most iconic role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and uh, basically, uh, it's not going to be a limited series. Uh, Kurtzman says the writer's room has been fully up and running for four weeks now, and production is aiming for an April 2019 start, which would suggest either a late 2019 or a more likely early 2020 premiere. That would likely put it before the third season of Discovery if it goes forward. Uh, but basically what they're saying is Caden confirmed that the plan for the Picard series to be go- to be ongoing with plans being laid out for multiple seasons. Kurtzman confirms Discovery and the Picard series will be very much their own things and there are currently no plans for a crossover, thank God. Um, but yeah, multiple seasons of Picard, they... It looks like CBS All Access. This makes sense. If, if you can get Patrick Stewart for multiple seasons, I say go with it, right, Rebecca? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I heard about this news too, and oh my god, I'm just over the moon. Like all the news about this Picard series, just it's just like I don't know. It makes my heart jump with joy. I am so glad they don't plan this just to be like a one time thing. If Patrick Stewart's willing to do it, I will watch all of it. And I think with multiple seasons, you get opportunities to have cameos. You know, you can have Will Riker come on. You can have Georgie LaForge, Dr. Crusher. Like, you can have everybody come on as a cameo and it doesn't feel shoved in or rushed. And, God, I really hope Brent Spiner will show up and do some data stuff. Like, I... I'm so excited about this. It's great. I top aware of this news, of course. Like, I, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping, personally, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of hope that one of the original crew is with him in this journey throughout the whole thing. I think, like, as, like a, like as a permanent, like, yeah. cast member of the yeah. show? Yeah, just one. Just pick one. Because mm-hmm. I think it would be nice to have, I don't know, I, it's always great to see, like, them interact with new characters. It's kind of like, you know, when Cheers ended, you got Frasier and, you know, and then you get introduced to his father and Niles and Roz and Daphne. But like, I don't know. Part of me would kind of like to see like one person eventually be a part of the permanent crew, but we'll see. Who, who, who would you pick? If, if you had your druthers, who would you pick to be a permanent member of the crew? God, that's a tough one. I, you know, I, know. I, 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 I yeah, of course you want to see kind of like, you know, Jonathan Frakes, but I want to see him do more directing than, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, mm-hmm. for the yep. series. So, you know, like, 
data. I love data, but I don't know. Would he like take a little bit of the spotlight off of Picard? Yeah, like my my knee jerk reaction is to say data, but the problem is that data is such a beloved character that uh, he would he could easily grab the spotlight That's from not, Picard. Yeah, exactly. Um, like if it were me, if I had to pick, I would almost want either Doctor Crusher or um, Troy. Counselor Troy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Troy. That's yeah, what I'm Troy. Troy would be good because they've always kind of set up, you know, whenever they do the flash f- flash forward future episodes, that Troy like will stay like Troy sticks with Picard. Yeah. But you know, in in the canon, her and Riker are married, so I, I don't know how that'll work. I mean, of course, you could be married in Starfleet and have separate you know assignments so uh yeah i i i think it'd be cool like if if you put like like troy with her with him um i think they would be a good combination yeah yeah uh april josh you guys watch star trek you big fans no i've seen all three chris pine movies but never the tv show what the fuck are you doing on this show? What's going on? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit better. Uh, Star Trek: Next Generation holds a special spot in my heart. My dad would come yeah. home from work, and mom would leave, and he would always have it on in the background. So, um, holy, hold, stop right there! Sort. Stop right there! Stop right there! I want you to finish that. But I'm, I'm sensing. I'm. I know. I know. Like in your marriage, you just said like. Mom would leave, <laughs> so mom would go out and watch a movie, right? Oh yeah. I see this happen. This is this has been passed down from generation to generation, where dad comes home and mom goes out and goes out on the town. What's going on here, April? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, when I do what I want. <laughs> wow, listen to Cartman over there. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that's pretty much true, but, um. Yeah, but geez, next you go, catch me outside. How about that? Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. No, man. You, know, you got married to a little badass over there. No, but, uh, dad would come home and he would watch, uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely something that, you know, I, and I love Patrick Stewart and pretty much everything that he's in. So, yeah. I, it's really cool that it's not limited. Um, I like to see him in a show for as long as possible. Yeah. And it's definitely something I would, Watch episode one and uh, probably the whole series if my wife doesn't, you know, jump ahead without me. Uh, I, <laughs> good luck, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, let's see here. I, Rebecca, I know you got to be over the moon for this shit. It's just now if I, I hope it's a late 2019 release, <laughs> like hearing that it could be early 2020 gets me a little worried. Like I, I want not worried. I just want it now. I want the I know. Sh- yeah. I want it now. Like, yeah. of course it's like, and like I had mentioned a few weeks ago when I was on that I had rewatched the next generation. So like, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm like chomping at the bit to get this series and yeah. Yeah, I gotta be patient now. But, um, yeah, I hope it's late 2019 because then I could just like, just devour it. I, oh God, I can't wait for this series. I cannot wait to see more 
Jean Luc Picard. That first episode, so just that for just the first moments of that first episode, and like mm-hmm. just seeing where he's at and what he's mm-hmm. up to is like I, I. That's what I'm dying to see. I, am I know. Just, yeah. Like, what has he been up to? It's like it's like in in Star Wars when like everybody was like, yes. "Where's Luke?" And and you know, in The Force Awakens, like, "What's Luke been doing all this time?" Yeah. Like, that's how I feel about my fandom. Like, what has Picard been doing all this time? Uh, this- Star Trek, this Star Trek versus Star Wars shit. Come on, you can have two fucking fandoms, people. Of course you can. Yeah, of course you can. But you know, one of them is better, and I know which one. (laughs) Well, shit. At Um, least Gene Roddenberry didn't go back and fucking like make the Tribbles blink. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Right? No. At least there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Here's our Tribble special edition. Now we're we're giving Tribbles buttholes now, right? Because we didn't have. You know, we didn't have buttholes on the Tribbles before. Oh, my God. Speaking of Tribbles, I, I'm doing a rewatch of Deep Space Nine, and I just watched the episode where they go back in time to that episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you watched much of, of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine, I, I have gaps in Deep Space Nine, I gotcha. I'll be honest. Like, I watched everything with Star Trek The Next Generation, but I do have gaps with Deep Space yeah. Nine. My dad didn't miss an episode, though. Yeah, me me neither. I watched all, but I watch everything Trek. But there there is an episode in Deep Space Nine where they do go back in time to that episode of Trouble with Tribbles because one of the um, actors who was in it, he he reprises his role as the same character and he goes back in time to try to alter the timeline. So they have to go back and make sure that like everything works out the way it works out. And they did that thing where they insert the characters and they insert these actors into the original film um and it's so much fun to watch them like get in costume and uh you know quote unquote interact with the with the original stuff and um there's a really funny moment where um they see the klingons from the original series and back then the klingons didn't have head ridges they mm-hmm. they, yeah. they look like just really hairy humans and at this point Worf is on deep space nine and and he's there in the episode with them and they all look at the Klingons and they look at him and they're like, uh, what is happening? That and is awesome. Like, and he's basically like, we don't talk about it with outsiders. And that, like, that's the oh end of it. God. They don't even address like the complete change. It's like, that's it's hilarious. That's just like a wink and a nod to the fans. That is exactly. so cool. Exactly. It's actually a really fun episode. Like, if you're not interested yeah. to like watch all of Deep Space Nine, just watch that no. episode. It's called you're fucking uh, well, troubles well, and tribulations. Well, yeah, because the original was called the Trouble with Tribbles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a really fun, lighthearted episode where they go back in time to that to that time period, and they and 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 they actually change history by bringing the Tribbles back because that they tell us that the that the Tribbles had died, had all died uh. out, and um, they. They bring them they back. They bring them the back. They point. fucked up. That's awesome. They bring back Tribbles. And of course, you know, yeah. you remember the original episode, Tribbles are born pregnant. Yeah. So they just breathe like crazy. Do you think that there's like a alien version? Okay. Like in the Star Trek universe, do you think that there's like a, a version of Richard Gere that puts Tribbles up their ass? Absolutely. You know, 100% they, think it's yeah. true. Yeah. 
Yeah, because like I mean, they they like purr and like slightly vibrate, so I'm sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. If you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> just Google Richard Gear and hamsters. All right, it's not true. It's all made up, but it's still fun. That was one of those things that we believed back in the '90s, Rebecca. I I remember that story. People were were repeating it like it was gospel. Well, shit, like it, it actually, was absolutely true. It it was a joke. It actually made it to one of the Scream films. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, I, it was it was insane how people believed that that was real. Yeah, I think it was. I don't. Was it Rose McGowan that made the joke in the first movie? Or I don't remember. Whatever. It made it to a Scream movie. Yeah, fucking April and Josh have no idea what they were fucking talking about. <laughs> like Josh right now is googling Tribbles number one. Yeah. <laughs> April and I are just staring at each other blankly right now, like mm, Richard Gere. It's been a while. Yeah. You guys are like, yeah. can, can we get the I Marvel was born news? Born in '88. You were born in '88. Yes. Oh my god, I was fucking. I was ten years old. I was in the fifth grade. And you, you're shitting yourself uncontrollably at that age and crying. <laughs> I was doing the same thing, which is kind of fucked up, though, for being 10. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. John Wick news from Dark Horizons. Yeah, Rebecca, looking forward to the Picard series. And you kind of got me wanting to go back and now fill in the gaps to uh, Deep Space Nine because it is a great fucking series. Yeah, I agree. I was I was always – I. Odo was like my favorite when I was watching. Oh, it. Odo is great. Yeah, but that actor is awesome. Um, Rene uh, Rene Aubergenois, who was in Benson uh, back in the day. He, I loved Benson. He was on that show. That was a great show too. That was. Uh, was it, which which of the Gold Girls was on there? Was it okay? Tracy Gold was. Uh, she was uh, growing pains. Growing pains. What was the other one? Her sister. Oh God, I don't remember now. What, did did she play the daughter? Yeah, the blonde girl. That was Tracy Gold's sister in Benson. Get out of here! I didn't. I never knew that. Uh, yeah, I'm blowing your fucking mind, aren't I? You are blowing my mind right now. I had no idea that that was Tracy Gold's sister. Robert Guillaume was a suave motherfucker, wasn't he? He sure was. God, I loved Benson. Missy Gold. That was her name. Missy, Missy Gold. Gold. Yeah, she, Missy Gold. That's Tracy Gold's sister. Well, fuck! I had no idea. Holy shit! Oh my god! Josh and April still have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I know. I know. We're talking about. Oh god. You know, yeah, like, you know, it's like they, they would have more information on what the price of gold is right now than they do Tracy Gold <laughs> or Missy Gold. True statement. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, gold is up. Um, anyway, John Wick 3 news from Dark Horizons. Uh, this is exciting. I'm not going to get into this too much, but set photos of Keanu Reeves on horseback. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Set photos of Keanu Reeves on horseback galloping down a street and knocking over motorcycle assassins have oh already yeah, have already had fans dubbing it the greatest movie ever made. Whether oh John Wick God. Chapter 3 can live up to that kind of hype is unclear. But director Chad Stahelski has offered a brief tease today, which should get fans even excited, uh, even more excited. Speaking about the film this week with Empire, Stahelski said he didn't want to give it too, he didn't want to give too much away, but was willing to offer some word hints of important things we'll see in the new film. Here's the, here's the, you guys ready for this list? Yep. Have you guys watched the John Wick movies? Yes. <laughs> 
Total Tupperware. All right. I love you guys now. It was, no, it was a rocky relationship before this. I was like, I was going to rate you guys at the end of the show and you were both, I don't know. Yeah. Josh, you were low tasted in April. You were going to get a toss it, but now you guys. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) It's a joke. That's a joke. You guys are listeners. You're fans and I love you and you guys are great and you guys are absolutely fantastic on Twitter. And after the week I've had, on Twitter with some of the people out there on Twitter. You guys are a breath of fresh air, and uh, so thank you. But anyway, these are the words that Stahelski described John Wick 3. Horses, dogs, cats, a raven, a bunch of pigeons, a motorcycle chase, car chase, Halle Berry, Lawrence Fishburne, Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, shotguns, and ninjas. Ninjas? <laughs> ninjas! Oh We're getting fucking ninjas in John Wick oh Chapter God. 3. John Wick is going to be on a horse fighting motorcycle assassins and ninjas. If this does not get you excited for John Wick Chapter 3, you're dead inside. Like, I, <laughs> I, I fucking love John Wick 1. I love John Wick Chapter 2. And John Wick 3, I think, like, I hope this just doesn't stop at a trilogy. If they can keep this going, I hope it just continues. And Common better come back. Common was fantastic in the, in the, in the second one. So, and then, you know, anytime I get more Ian McShane is great. But like the way the second one ended, it's like basically, it's like John Wick versus the world. And so, and now he's gotta fight ninjas. Holy shit. I cannot wait for this. I cannot wait for this movie. It is so, it, this is gonna be, what, what, a bunch of pigeons? What is it, Mike Tyson gonna be in this film? What's going on? <laughs> when does this movie come out, Brian? Uh, May 17th. Man, with all the animals you listed at the beginning, like, John Wick is a farmer in Japan that gets attacked by ninjas. <laughs> like, what in the world could all those different animals have to do with I know, what's well, going on, John Wick? I don't know. I'm, We'll be, we'll definitely see this opening weekend. I don't want, yeah, I, yeah, opening weekend. I'm there opening night. You bet your ass. I cannot wait to see this. I, I love gung fu. It is like one of the coolest new genres that's coming out right now. And, uh, fuck, uh, a movie that's got, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Annie and McShane. I hope they have some screen time together. That would be incredible. So fuck. And, uh, John Wick is not going to, it's like in this movie, there's, there's no continental. What happened to that TV show? Remember that? They were yeah. Gonna, there was a lot of talk about that. That was a, yeah. What happened to the fucking continental? Like that was supposed to be a TV show. I haven't heard any news about the continental, the John Wick TV show that doesn't have John Wick in it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened to that there was there was a lot of buzz about it and then it just kind of went away yeah well maybe if they had horses and ninjas people would be talking about it yeah (laughs) fuck all right i you know i'm gonna skip this last story because i think it's bullshit this no this next story there's rumors about an alien tv show like ridley scott's aliens like that those aliens and there's a rumor about that so I hope not. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like, 
I, for as much as I love like the character and the aesthetic, um, Covenant was shit. Alien Covenant was garbage. I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one, but I heard it was terrible. It, it was terrible. Like, and I know a lot of people hated Prometheus, and I actually really enjoyed Prometheus. I liked Prometheus, except for, you know, there's some stupid things that happened in it. I, you know, I can't argue with. But I don't know. I don't need an aliens TV show. I don't know. It's yeah, just, me neither. That, yeah. I tossed that. That's stupid. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Fuck. Unless James Cameron's gonna fucking do it and it's on like HBO. I don't need to see it. Cause honestly, Aliens was pretty badass. And if I could see Marines killing aliens every week, I would have no problem with that. Yeah, but is James Cameron gonna take a break from his 20 Avatar sequels? Fucking A. Not a sequel. No shit. He was supposed to be the director of Alita Battle Angel. And He's a producer on it now. Like that was like one of his passion projects was Alita Battle Angel, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have time to do it, so he passed it off to Robert Rodriguez. Like, dude, fucking step away from Avatar. It's and crazy. Give us some other it's content. In, he's like, in, he's like obsessed with making more Avatar movies, and I. It's really weird. Uh, I mean, it made fucking billion. It's like uh number one movie of all time as far as the box office is concerned. Yeah. So like we can't – I mean I can't knock it for that. Like it – he did his job there. It's just – it's 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 just – I don't know. It's just like you don't go to conventions and see like people dressed as like Navi. You know what I mean? No, you, you don't. Know? I agree. You don't. Mm. It, I don't know. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. And, like, um, it makes you wonder, like, okay, the next one's, like, going to be in the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to the like, Pandora, that fucking planet. We were there. We saw the big tree and all that shit, and it burned down. Now we're going into the second movie, and they're going to go into, like, the oceans of Pandora. And we know James Cameron's got a hard-on for the ocean because he did the Titanic movies, and he did all those, you know, those deep-sea diving Titanic uh, documentaries. And so it's like, you know, James Cameron is pissed off that he's not going to beat Aquaman coming out. Like James Wan really has a chance to kind of steal his thunder here if he does Aquaman right. True. Yeah. Yeah. I think Aquaman looks amazing. Right? Yeah, I I do. I don't care what anybody says. I think like the underwater shots and like the crustacean creatures and like the, you know, all the different like – uh, you know, like the sea, like the battle seahorses or whatever the fuck that are down there. <laughs> I think it looks really good. I think it looks mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings under the water. And some people are going to be like, that's stupid. It just looks like Lord of the Rings under the water. It's like, yeah, dude, it's fucking Lord of the Rings under the water. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Give me a yeah, fucking. And those movies made how much money and no. won how many Oscars? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Return of the King won Best Picture, and like most of the other movies were winning like makeup and special effects, and mm-hmm. those were just great films. I Aliens TV show, fuck off, get out of here. And now, and who knows if it's going to happen now because it's it's not Fox that will be doing it. Disney right. owns the Aliens now, right? It'll be Disney doing it, right? Right. Uh, 
This news comes from Screen Rant. It's about a Universal Soldiers reboot coming from the Equalizer 2 scribe, Richard Wank. Uh, Equalizer and Equalizer 2. Rebecca, did you watch Universal Soldiers back in 1992 with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren? Uh, yeah. Have you just met me? Of course I watched it. I love that movie. <laughs> me too. This was like one of those first like action star team-up movies. Like this was like post tango and cash but still pretty mm-hmm. fucking cool because absolutely it was like oh absolutely. my god jean-claude van damme kickboxer cyborg teaming up with dolph lundgren fucking he-man and fucking like uh the russian dude drago from rocky it's like these were these were action stars like together in the same movie like you didn't oh yeah you didn't get to see this a lot we got to see like you know tango and cash with kurt russell and and Stallone, and that was cool, but like this was Van Damme and fucking Dolph Lundgren in the same movie, and they played like dead soldiers that were reanimated yeah. with like technology, and now they were completely under the control of like this private government sector, and they would go out and like do these crazy missions, and they were kind of like unstoppable. And there's been, I think, like four movies, I've only yeah. seen the first two. Uh, don't don't bother watching any of the other ones. No, no, I, I'm actually hearing like the the last two that came out in 2012 and, and a recent one. I hear they're actually really good. I, I I remember watching them and I didn't care for them personally. Really, um, but I mean, if other people are saying that they're good, I mean, then of course watch it. I'm you hearing know, other people. Yeah, but. I'm hearing other people are saying like they're really good. I haven't like just think. Just like from like what I've read in different articles and mm-hmm. stuff like that, they're saying like you know like the sequel I saw was pretty terrible, but like I loved the original. Um, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme, of course, like started to get like his memories back. Like it was like the Vietnam War that they were in, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. And yeah, exactly. Like they are like you know programmed. They they become programmed cyborgs because yeah. they were. It died, and then the the government, of course, yeah. reanimated them and used them for their own missions and blah blah blah. And then he starts to remember, and then of course it becomes he, he starts to remember memory like, and all that. How evil fucking Dolph Lundgren's character was. It's kind of oh, like, he was super evil yeah. in that movie. And you, kind of, it's kind of like RoboCop in that way, where like you know mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. got you know uh, he starts to remember uh, Officer Murphy starts to remember kind of like his past and like certain things and it's kind of like that in a way um i don't know but they're looking at it's been 20 years since they had a universal soldier movie on the big screen and in a recent interview with discussing film writer richard wank revealed that he's working on a new take on the concept. He said, I will say that I'm just finishing up a reimagining. Let's be clear about this. It's not a remake. It's not a redo, but it is a reimagining of a movie called Universal Soldier, very much like The Equalizer. It's the title that inspired me and not the movies. I'm just about to finish the script and turn it in this week. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the first equalizer film the second one was not as good but um i'm afraid to ask april josh have you seen have you seen universal soldiers no can't say that i have i've seen the equalizer which i loved so i'll go off that that's cool i i haven't this definitely would be something that would be right up my alley i love kind of just yeah straight up action so oh yeah yes dude 
check it check check it out watch universal soldier it is it's like pure that 80s 90s action stuff that i love growing up definitely yeah seek this one out seek this seek out the first one um the second one is garbage um and then i believe the third and the fourth one they actually bring back jean-claude van damme and Dolph lundgren in at least one Mm. of those so but yes seek out the first one it's like it's incredible. The writer Richard Wank, he can also be called Dick Wank, which is kind of funny, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see why he goes with Richard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can I call you Dick? No, you can't fucking call me Dick. My name is Richard. God, <laughs> Mr. Wank. Oh my god, that's I don't know how that guy made it through high school. Oh my Dick Wank. Oh man, uh, yeah, I guarantee you, high school was fucking terrible for him. It had to have been. Rebecca, oh shit, I'm, this is like, the, April, Josh, this is the worst episode for you guys to be on because I'm talking about nostalgic shit from before you were even born. <laughs> or like, I know, can we stay in the last decade? I, I'm, <laughs> oh, excuse me for being old. <laughs> Talking to crusty old leftover Brian here. Um, this is another movie. No, I love hearing about older movies that I can look back and watch. There's a lot of yeah. movies before my generation that I hold near and dear. And Universal Soldiers will not be one of them. <laughs> it is, but it might for me. It is really good. It's really good. It's really good. It's really fun. It's just like it. It's one of those. Yeah, it's, it, you know, like, there's those 80s movies that, like, everybody kind of, like, knows about. Like, of course, like, Predator and, like, you know, Terminator and stuff. Universal Soldiers is, like, it came out in 92, and it's, like, one of those movies that can slip away from certain people if you mm-hmm. weren't around during that time and watching that kind of shit. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. But here's another one. Here's another one. And uh, the millennials are not going to understand this. They're going to be like, well, let me, let me. What are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about, old man? Um, Jeff Bridges wants to do a Starman sequel. Shut the fuck up! Are you serious? I'm dead serious. He's doing press dude. right. He's doing press right now um, for you know uh, bad times at the El Royale, which uh-huh. which April hated. I didn't hate. <laughs> which April. April took a verbal shit on that film. <laughs> like, just, I'm, <laughs> just. We all have our opinions. It was, you were, it was mouth diarrhea is what you gave that movie. It was just, I, <laughs> I just, it hurt me to my goddamn core, April. Um, I'm kidding, of course. She gave it a taste. It, see, that's the thing. It's like you give something in April. I, I'm falling. Tra- I'm falling prey to this myself, and I apologize. You give something a taste. It and a taste. It is you liked it. You fucking liked it. God damn it! You're just saying I didn't love it. I didn't want to. You know right. what I mean? Like I didn't want to fucking like I didn't want to dry hump this thing on my goddamn floor. Is what you're saying, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? It's like I it's, mean Dan West, I'll dry Chris Hemsworth. But the movie can go. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. Josh, things got interesting for you tonight, buddy. Um, anyway, I, all I'm saying is like Dan West gets on here. We review Logan, you know, the Hugh Jackman, uh, his final outing as, uh, as Wolverine, that film. Dan West gets on here, gives it a high taste, it, and people act like Dan West tossed that fucking film. He still takes shit for that. It's unreal. 
anyway. Yeah, taste it. It's a it's a good rating, people. You liked it. Um, Jeff Bridges wants to do a Starman sequel. This this news came from Screen Rant, um, but it's from a conversation that Jeff Bridges had with the rap. Um, speaking to the rap Shoot This Now podcast, Bridges talked about his own lasting fondness for Starman and said he'd love to get back together with Karen Allen for a sequel. Bridges mentioned that the movie's ending, which saw Starman use his alien powers to impregnate the previously infertile Allen, set things up for a follow-up. Um, I'm going to get to his quote here in a second, but Starman is... It's basically, it's it's about a first encounter with an alien, and the alien takes the shape of um, of a guy that looks like Jeff Bridges, and s- spends the whole movie with Karen Allen. You've, you've watched, uh, uh, Karen Allen, if you've watched uh, Indiana Jones and the last, and the, and the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, she was the, the, the female lead in that film. And here she is in, in Starman. And like, it's basically, it's about the government is after Jeff Bridges character. That's this alien. And then how many of those like silver balls that he has that he can use to make different things happen? Like three or something? Um, he has seven, seven. Holy fuck. How did you know that? Because I'm on the Wikipedia page refreshing my memory. Oh my God. On the- I was like, on the film, seven dwarves, and now there's seven balls, and it's like, yeah, wow, that's incredible. I was like, I was thinking, like, holy shit, how did you remember that? Did you just watch Starman? I've, I've watched it probably within the last decade, but like, I haven't watched it. I love Starman. I think it's I like, do too. It's one. Of those, I, I haven't watched it recently, yeah. but I love that movie. It's one of those movies from my childhood that like has it stuck with me as a kid, and then I remembered it later as a teenager, and I'm like. Oh, I want to watch that again. And I watched it again. And I loved it. But, um, yeah, if you haven't seen Starman, you got to watch that. Oh my, I fucking love Starman. But, um, Bridges said about this, he said, it's all set up very much like Lebowski, like the little dude, the dude in the oven. In Starman, Karen Allen, she's got a bun in the oven as well. So at the end of that movie, yeah, you had Karen Allen, her husband, I'm, it's coming back to me now, Rebecca. Her mm-hmm, husband mm-hmm. died. Right. And, and the guy, the alien, yes, took his form. Took his form. And then Jeff Bridges, he, yeah, the alien took the form of Jeff Bridges, which was her husband that died. He saw, like, the home movies that they had together. Right. He had a, he had somehow, I'm, I'm just, I'm going off the Wikipedia page because it, I had to refresh my memory. He like gets a, a sample of his DNA, like a, a, a lock of hair or yeah. something. And he basically mimics him and then he's watching, like you saying, the home movies yeah. and he's basically getting his voice, et cetera. And then he convinces her to take him like in, in, on this road trip and, and the government's after them and. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for a fucking like thirty five plus yeah, year old movie, right. but like it's at the end of the movie, like she can't have children, you know, she can't and like this is before like, you know, they could do like in vitro and all that stuff and like, you know, so she couldn't have children, so you know, and that's not always a hundred percent anyway, but he has these like seven balls and he's and it I don't know how that works, how the science of that works, but it basically it, these these silver tech 
these so these silver balls. That's so, so silly. I try to say it. Silver ball. <laughs> these silver balls that that <laughs> they have powers, and it, these silver balls, like that. One of them, he give it's it kind of like a a wish or something, right? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm just I'm on I'm on the Wikipedia page, and like basically. He tells her that because he's a clone of the husband, the baby will be the husband's child, but it'll also have Starman's like knowledge. Yeah. So it's like the 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 silver balls are what he uses like to impregnate her and stuff. I know and it sounds so silly when I say silver balls, I know, but I know. that's it. It makes sense when you watch the movie. Yeah, he's got he's got seven silver balls and they're magic silver balls. They do magical things. It sounds so stupid. Yeah, if if they made a sequel to this movie, yeah. Oh, Gosh, you know what? This movie and like the last Starfighter, in my mind, are like right there as like two of the most really fun sci-fi movies I watched in the eighties. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I I love the last Starfighter. Also, that that's a great movie. As as, yeah, you're absolutely right. I love the last Starfighter too. Which Seth Rogen was wanting to do a last Starfighter. kind of like sequel or reboot or something like that. And it actually turned into that series that he did on Hulu. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. And I love that fucking show. It's, it's got fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking that kid from the hunger games. I, I didn't watch the show, so I, I'm not sure what it's called. I know. That fucking PETA kid. His name was PETA. Mm-hmm. He's named after a bread or a fucking animal rights <laughs> activist group. One or the other. His parents are fans of both. They loved bread and they loved animals. They're like, let's name our kid PETA. Perfect. <laughs> it, it, it combines our two favorite things. Animals and bread. <laughs> <laughs> Then they they handed him seven silver balls. Anyway, uh, this is my this is the worst episode we've ever had. This is there we go. I've been waiting for that. Garbage. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, what was that fucking show? Last man, I can't remember what that show was called. Oh, was that the? Oh, yay! That's the show I didn't like. Last, um. Future oh. Man. Oh, maybe? Future Man, the show you didn't finish. That's why I didn't like it. Oh, so yeah. I didn't finish I didn't it. like it. I watched a few episodes. I didn't like it. Sorry. That was, I'm sorry. I tried to take the mature road there and I, it, it went completely the other way. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> I just devolved into a fucking moron. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, is, that was a great show! Oh my god! All right, I'm not going to get into that argument with you. We can we can fight about these silver balls. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to see a Starman sequel. I, I, it's it's it, you know it's another Jeff Bridges sequel that I was worried about was the Tron sequel, Tron Legacy, and I loved it. I actually, but a lot of people didn't, and it, it, it's one of those things where like. At the, at the end of Starman, he says he's never going to come back. And so, like, if they do a Starman sequel with Karen Allen, like, 
how you got to find a really ingenious way to make it so that Jeff Bridges character does come back. Right. Yeah. You, you'd have to. Yeah. You'd have to. Um, yeah. I feel like, but you know what then look at stuff like, do you think like maybe, at, Hey, hold on. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he came there with eight balls and he dropped one. He's like, Hey, I, like he's, I, I, I know this is embarrassing. I just, I, I dropped one behind this oak tree and he like, he has to get it. And then he's got to like bounce out real quick, you know? <laughs> Um, no, no what, I don't no. think that's what's going to happen, but I was going to say, like, look at the success of like Cobra Kai yeah. as a, as a follow up to a beloved eighties, uh, movie franchise of the Karate Kid. Now, granted, Starman was not a franchise. It was one movie, but yeah. if you approach it, I think the same way, if you bring in writers who will hold that movie as like sacred and you bring back the original actors who want to keep those, yeah roles the same way i it could work if you get the right team of it course sounds good but then we had movies called you know indiana jones and the i know the and kingdom the of the crystal I know. skull it was terrible i that know also, that was terrible that also um, had karen allen and then we also and I, I know some people like this but then we also had the new ghostbusters that came out so i yeah, don't i mean i, I don't know i mean would you would you prefer them like to sort of just approach this as a reboot? Don't no. bring in Jeff Bridges or a Karen Allen. No, I I I, I would uh, approach this as uh, April and Josh. Fucking watch the original Star Man. Call it a day. <laughs> Let's have all that movie. Talk. You're making it so interesting. It's really good. It is a really good movie. It's it's it's, it's, it's a, worth watching. I I think it's worth watching. It's very. It, it's a very. You've got a woman here who uh, the love of her life dies. And then an alien comes down, takes the form of her husband that's dead. So she's got to, like, look at this alien that looks like her husband. And she doesn't know what she's looking at at first. She look, It's like she's looking at her husband back from the dead. And then the government's after them. And then the man that looks like her, the alien that looks like her husband, like, gives her the gift of, like, a child and she's like infertile. She can't have a child and gives her the gift of a child and leaves her with that child. It's like, it's like alien baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it definitely has that, has that feel of that. Yeah. It's fucking, I, I don't, it's a great movie I, though. No, it, it's a great movie. I, I I'm not going to lie. The idea of the sequel has me like really excited if they bring back, Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen, yeah. and and they bring back writers that can really write a good story. Um, I'm excited. I would be excited to see that. I would be really excited to see a sequel to this because so we got a kid. We got a, we got a kid. We got the kid in the thirty. And it's not even a kid anymore at this point. He's like the fucking the baby has now grown up and is like a thirty plus year old man, right? Like late thirties, mm-hmm. right? At this point. I'll probably cast Ryan Gosling, right? We got Ryan Gosling playing the baby, mm-hmm. right? So now we got Ryan Gosling <laughs> playing the baby. We got Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Gosling playing the, the alien baby. And then do you think, like, what do you do? How do you make it interesting at that point? Like, it, like when dad comes back from like, you know, planet whatever, is he mad that dad wasn't there to raise him? Like, I think. I think you make it interesting by giving him a mission, a reason to come back to Earth. What made Terminator 2 so interesting? You gave Arnold a new mission to sure. come back to that world. Yeah. 
and and do a new thing. Give Starman a new mission, a reason for him to return. Have have him like that's his focus, right? But then of course he meets up again with the the woman and then they can have like this reunion and he has to like somehow recruit her and they could kind of deal with the issues that are there. I think you could make this a really good melodrama. I don't know. I, I think his mission should be to come back and stop this reboot from happening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, and, and then after that, after he stops the reboot from happening, his mission should be to get April and Josh to watch this movie because I think you guys would like it. It's really good. <laughs> I, I do too, April and Josh. I, I think you guys should watch the movie. At least, you know, give it a shot. I think it's it's I think you would enjoy it just for like the the love story that's in it. But then it's also really fun sci-fi yeah. as well. Yeah, we'll have to put it on the list. Don't worry. I've already renamed my fantasy football team Silver Balls. So <laughs> Awesome. Silver Balls. No, seven Silver Balls. Seven Silver Balls. Like that should be like one of the lines in the, uh, what is it, the 12 Days of Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> on the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Ironically, seven silver balls. Um, get it? Seventh day. That's there. The yeah, irony yeah, yeah, comes in. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> that was weak. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh, yeah, you're down to a toss it anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, guys, get ready for more streaming services. Uh, it was announced that we're getting a Time Warner. Uh, Warner Media is gonna have their own streaming service. I knew this was coming. I fuck, I warned Jake. Jake knew. Jake knew. We all knew it was coming. I remember the golden era, the golden age of it was Netflix and Hulu. And that was it. And that's the world you lived in. And sometimes Crackle if they, if you wanted to go to Crackle. But it was Netflix and Hulu and you could cut the cord and you could just watch Netflix and Hulu if that's what you wanted to do. But now everybody's got a fucking streaming service. Now it's like you've got, oh, I cut the cord. Well, good for you. Now get ready to spend five to seven to ten to twelve to fifteen dollars on a streaming service and they're all gonna add up and they're all gonna have really some of them are gonna have really good content. And so now Time Warner is gonna have Warner Media and then Voodoo, the Walmart movie service, is gonna be adding original content to the Voodoo app. I just found it. I don't know if that's gonna be free or not. Or you're gonna have to pay for that. But uh it's it's crazy. Now you got you got YouTube Red, you've got um, fuck DC Universe now. Uh, Disney's gonna have Disney Play. There's Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix. I mean, and then if you want to get into like anime, you've got Crunchyroll, Funimation, VRV. I mean, it just doesn't stop. You know, I, I haven't even touched half of them. There's so many. And now we're gonna have a new, different kind of streaming service called Quibi. Have you guys heard about Quibi? No. Okay. Quibi. This is different. This is new. This is different. It's promising. But I don't know. This is, it's interesting. DreamWorks co-founder, this news comes from Dark Horizons. DreamWorks co-founder Jeffrey Katzenberg and CEO Meg Whitman have announced Quibi, a new short form content mobile subscription platform developing quick bite content programs that are only 10 to 15 minutes long. So Quibi stands for Quick bite, and Roku stands for six, which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> anyway, the programs are only ten to fifteen minutes long. 
So basically, what they're doing here is they're like trying to they they're trying to make very quick bite content that is very kind of like if you have a short attention span they've noticed that i think that what they're saying is like millennials have a short attention span like millennials are like the dogs in the movie up when they see a squirrel they get distracted and like wow. they can, yeah I, i'm not trying to, i'm not saying it. it's it's quibby don't blame me <laughs> don't blame me it's quibby I don't blame you guys listen to fucking four to five hours of this bullshit podcast. So I don't think they're talking about you. Um, I just don't know if you can put good enough content in 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. How exactly like 30 minutes for a sitcom is fine. Cause you're telling like a, a condensed story within 30 minutes and an hour for like a drama makes sense because you can, you can pack it in in an hour or 42 minutes or whatever. Like you can have a, and then you can leave it on a cliffhanger, but like, can you, how much story can you tell in 10 minutes and leave it on a cliffhanger every episode? Or like, I don't understand how, how this is going to work, but this it's, this is not like, it's not like they're not being supported here. Quibi has some big names attached and a lot of huge production companies are involved in this. Four major Hollywood power players are on board to develop shows for the new service out of the gate. Guillermo del Toro, Antoine Fuqua, Sam Raimi, and Bloomhouse Productions with head Jason Bloom. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, wild. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, the service hasn't even launched. They have commitments from these people. Um, Bloom's, uh, Bloom's project is going to be Wolves and Villagers. It's dubbed as Fatal Attraction 2.0. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is doing a, it's a modern version of Dog Day Afternoon. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one that has me the most excited is probably Sam Raimi's series. It's called 50 States of Fear, and it's about the scariest folklore from each U.S. state. Ooh. So well, that the, sounds interesting. Yeah, they're going to go from state to state, and like, you know, like, they'll like in New Jersey, they'll probably have like the New Jersey Devil, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, probably we'll probably get like a Mothman kind of thing, and like each state will have like their own folklore and like horror thing, and I think that that's kind of cool. I, I'm looking forward to that, and that's Sam Raimi. Del Toro is reportedly working on multiple projects for the service. Each episode of these shows will be approximately ten minutes long, with aims of producing either twelve episodes. Or two hour or twenty four episode four hour runs. The company has already the company has already raised one billion dollars in funding and is said to have the backing of every major Hollywood studio. Holy fuck. Wow. So do you think this is like a two hour movie that gets made that they cut up? Or that's is this it, really ten minute singular episodes? That's 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 the best question to ask, and that's the question that I can't answer because I can't even fathom that. It sounds like 
like what you're saying sounds like what it is, but like, how can that make a coherent show? How can you break up? Like if you were to break, like if I were to take a two hour movie and just break it up into, I don't know how you separate a two hour like movie into like 12 chapters. You know what? Me either. You know what this kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of the old serials that they used to make and show before movies, like in the 30s and 40s, where they'd have whole stories of like Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon and uh, all that stuff. And they would make these little, you know, 10, 15 minute episodes and they would each end on a cliffhanger. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, each time you went to the movie, uh, you would get the next chapter in the serial until like the story was finished. It, it just, it reminds me of that. So if you write it not as a two hour movie with like a one, two and three act, but if you write it as 15 minute moments of a movie and each one has a, a cliffhanger or a question that leads you into the next one, I could see how that could work. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I like what you're saying is, it makes sense, but – and I think it makes sense for, like, what Del Toro might do because, like, he's, like – you know he's, like, infatuated with, like, the the monsters, like, universal yeah. monsters and stuff like that. If they gave him something to do here where it felt like those old serials with the monsters, I think he'd be able to do that pretty easily. But, like, uh you know, and I guess 50 States of Fear – I don't know, like, f- Sam Raimi, 15 minutes with a – I don't, it just doesn't seem like a lot. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's weird. I don't know how, yeah. I don't know. I have to see this. I really, this is like, it, it's very experimental. This is just not how we do television now. We're all kind of like, in my opinion, we're all like, I know like, um, adult swim every once in a while, like with children's hospital and like aqua teen hunger force and like Tim and Eric and, Eric Andre, they have like 15 minute episodes, which come to yeah. like maybe 12 minutes after like they take out like the commercials and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. This seems like a weird way to st- tell a story in like 10 minute, 10 minute to 15 minute chunks. And like, are we waiting week to week? Like, I, Literally, think about that, Rebecca. It's like, how yeah. much are they getting you? Like, you get 10 minutes and it's like, oh, see you in a week for another fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, maybe in that case, rather than wait a week, maybe. The only thing I'm watching in 10 minute chucks is fucking porn. And then I fucking <laughs> come and then I'm done. Right, right, right. right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be a week to week thing. Maybe they'll do it like, um, Two episodes a week or three episodes a week. I I, I don't know, but yeah, I know. I, I I love the creators involved too. I want it to work. Yeah, oh, me too. Yeah, me too. But to see the thing is, part of me doesn't want it to work because part of me doesn't want to spend another fucking like seven eight bucks a fucking month for this shit for ten minutes a week. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at right now. We're really struggling deciding to get rid of cable. Yeah. Or just keep it and chug along yeah yeah it's it's like i i got rid of cable and so basically everything i'm watching right now is all streaming and so like i talked to my dad on the phone it was so weird my dad's in his like you know he's in his late 60s now 
And um, my dad's really cool. My dad watches a lot of the same shit I do. Like, my dad, like, he'll knock out a fucking Netflix Marvel series before I do. Um, my dad loves this stuff. Like, he watches all this stuff. But I was talking to my dad on the phone. He just didn't get it. Like, it took him years to, like, understand what a fucking DVR was. And so, like, you know, like now, like, I bought my dad his first DVD player. You know, my dad wouldn't buy a DVD player. He's still using fucking VHS. And, like, back in 2000, I bought him, like, his, like, Back when, like, Philips Magnavox had that DVD player that was, like, the fucking size of, like, you know, it was just huge. It was the size of, like, an old, like, uh, turntable. You know what I mean, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Remember I, the, I remember. Remember yeah. those old DVD players? So I bought yep. my dad his first DVD player. It was a Philips Magnavox, and it was, like, back when DVD players were 200 bucks. I bought <laughs> him. I bought him a fucking Philips Magnavox DVD player and, and, uh, and the Gladiator DVD because he loved that movie. And, um, so my dad, like, he always waits around. He's, you know, he, he always waits around on the technology for it to come down in price. So I, I, I had to buy him some of the stuff when it first came out. But like, I told him, I was like, yeah, dad, I cut the cable and I'm not, I'm not, I don't do direct TV anymore. Uh, I don't do, you know, Comcast anymore. And he's like, uh, so, you know, what do you, are you, are you DVR and stuff? And I'm like, that's not how it works, dad. <laughs> like he 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 couldn't understand like because my dad was like seriously thinking about like fucking cutting the cable like cutting the cord but like he can't wrap his head around not having a fucking DVR you know it's mm. just like he just can't yeah. wrap his head around that shit and so you know so I don't know it's like I love it I love I, I'm used to it now it, it was weird at first but I fucking love it now like I just have my shows that I watch and I'll and they're you know, I'll just go to the fucking app and watch them when I want to. So, yeah, I think the only reason we've kept it is for sports. It's the only live thing we really watch anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so that's what gets them, especially with uh, Directv. They got that NFL ticket, that Sunday ticket that they overpay for every fucking few years. Ridiculous, Directv. You're you're gonna bury yourselves with that. Uh, you guys are insane. Anyway, yeah, Directv is gonna die. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know. Uh, I will, I have to, this is a wait and see for me. This, mm-hmm. this Quibi, this Quibi service. It's got great people attached to it and I'm sure they're going to keep attaching more people to it. But I don't know. Is it really watching 10 minutes and then waiting a week to watch another 10 minutes? I don't know how entertaining that's going to be for me in the long run. Yeah, that sounds hard to get invested in 10 minutes to be like, oh, I can't wait to watch this again next week. Yeah. And it's only 10 minutes. When I can go to Netflix and I can be like, holy shit, they just dropped a whole season of fucking, you know, The Haunting of Hill House or the whole season of two of Big Mouth or the whole, you know, season of uh, um, Apollo 13 Reasons Why. Like I can just watch it. <laughs> the callback. Um, I can just watch it all right now and just binge it and they've got new original Netflix content coming out all the time and it may be the same way here but it's like I don't know like how much I'm going to care how invested are you going to get in 10 minutes exactly yeah the only thing I can think of is for something that was a lot more episodic than story driven so like not that I watch this show but if like you were to take 
man versus food, and you could boil that down to just the restaurant, just right. the food. You don't need the restaurateur's backstory and the travel and all the catchy phrases or whatever. Yeah. And you, you know, a normal episode's thirty minutes with two restaurants, and you just cut it in half, and each one of those becomes an episode. Like you don't really have to know where you're at in the story or anything like that. You just kind of, oh, hey, this sounds interesting. I'm going to watch a few. Hey, this sounds interesting. I'm going to watch a few. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's this just seems like. Sp- like speed dating for television, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's I I don't. It's like ten minutes with a show, and then you're done, and then you got to wait a week to come back and get that ex that another ten minutes of that story. I I just. That just sounds crazy to me over a 12 episode series. Mm-hmm. And I got to come 10 minutes at a time. It just sounds like to me, I would just want to wait until it's all collected and then just, you know, subscribe for a month, watch all of it, and then drop the surface. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds crazy. I'll have to see how this works out. But yeah, Quibi, I don't know. This is very experimental. Um, it's. What blows my mind is the fact that they got fucking like, you know, Jason Blum, they've got Antoine Fuqua, Sam Raimi, Guillermo del Toro, and then every major Hollywood studio is backing this and they have a billion dollars in funding raised already. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. I think the, the creators involved absolutely have me excited, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it could work. I think um, you're right. I think, uh, Okay, Rebecca, I'm, I think, for me and my old 40 year old man brain, it sounds weird, right? Mm hmm. Okay, cause I got 40 year old man brain. <laughs> okay? I'm, I, I'm not used to this kind of programming. I'm not used to quick bites right. of programming. Right. But right. you would think that all, every fucking major Hollywood studio has, some kind of like research group that are doing studies and for them to invest a billion dollars into this, they have to believe that this is the future of entertainment. Yeah, I, I agree. If this is, if they're all backing it, then yeah. they all feel like this is the future of entertainment. This is yeah. the way people are going to consume fucking entertainment in the future. And like, you know, or, or, is or are they wrong? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Are they jumping on this train too soon? Are they thinking to themselves like, "Hey, nobody thought Netflix streaming would work. Blockbuster didn't. They they had a chance to buy Netflix. Absolutely. They're they like, ah, this streaming shit ain't gonna work. Cable wasn't worried about fucking streaming services." Nobody was worried about Netflix. They were the underdog. They were just shipping you fucking little DVDs in the mail. The streaming. Who's gonna, who's gonna watch streaming TV? Who's gonna care about that? And like, so is, is that what this is? That they're trying to be proactive and keep up with like the future of entertainment and like, this might get rejected. Like, this might be crystal clear Pepsi. We might say, we might say no. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it could absolutely go either way. But I mean, 
th- what what you're saying though is absolutely true. I mean, when Amazon said that they were going to start producing original content, yeah. people were like, "The website I ordered toilet paper from is going to make movies. Right. Who the fuck cares?" And then Manchester by the Sea wins a fucking Oscar. Yeah. So it's like there are things that are happening that are on the they're on the cutting edge, and this could be something that is the cutting edge Mm -hmm. and that's why studios are jumping on now maybe they don't want to be like blockbuster passing up the chance to buy netflix maybe they feel like let's get in on this now let's throw our money at this now that way if it takes off then we can say we were here from the beginning and we knew it was going to happen yeah yeah Yep, i i don't know i think it's uh it's It's worth 50 50 at this point but i I think it's certainly interesting enough, mm. and I think it's intriguing enough with the creators who are involved in this. It's worth the gamble. It is. It's worth the gamble. It's like it's one of those where, where you, when, I guess when they when they you know <laughs> when you announce Sam Raimi and Antoine Fuqua, Jason Bloom, and these guys, and I'm sure they're going to get more. It's not going to stop here. They got the major backing of every Hollywood studio here. It's not going to stop. I I don't know. I just want to see like how it's going to fucking play out. All right, I'm done talking yeah. about this. I can talk about this all goddamn day. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Come back and do Marvel news. All right, hey, we are back, and it is now time for Marvel news. Marvel news. <laughs> I sound so stupid when I say that. <laughs> Marvel news. Brian, before you start Marvel news, yeah. I'm 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 reminding you yeah. of the thing you're supposed to tell. Yeah, everybody. yeah. I thought okay, this is uh, it's Rebecca related. <laughs> I've been holding on to this for a while. I've been teasing Rebecca. I have no idea what this is, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I've told Rebecca I got something to say here, and it's uh, I think it's actually pretty incredible. Um, the thing that I've noticed with you, and I don't think it's just you. I think it it's Rebecca. You're from New York City. Mm-hmm. The thing I've noticed, I think all not just you. I think anyone from New York City that's li- like from New York City, you have your own superpower that only you have. You have no idea what I'm go- where I'm going with this, do you? I do not. I'm not sure yet where you're going with this. It's amazing. Like I can talk to you about anything. I can talk to you about Marvel. I can talk to you about you know uh, all this news, quick bites that we just talked about, all these things, and you'll, you'll get on here. But if I bring, there's certain topics that if you bring up to a New Yorker, you you hear it in their voice. The New Yorker comes out of them. <laughs> the first thing. Is pizza? If you talk, oh my yeah, yeah, Absolutely. oh my. If you talk pizza with with Rebecca Daling or any New Yorker, the New Yorker comes out of them, and it's like before they're talking, you they're talking, and then all of a sudden their voice and everything changes. New York pizza. Now you're talking like this, and it's like you get all New York. It's crazy. You get so passionate about your fucking pizza. And well, you, because it's actually pizza. 
whereas <laughs> other parts of this country serve casserole and call it a fucking pizza. It's it's a pizza pot pie. It's not pizza. You, Chicago. We I'm talking to you, Chicago. New York serves actual pizza. You can fold. You are witnessing it right now. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like I'm triggered. Like it's, it's, it is. It's a superpower. It's like it's 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 like a latent power. It's like sitting there dormant, and then all of a sudden you bring up you bring up and oh do you do you do you, do you get pissed off when people call it za? Yes. Oh God. What the fuck is that? It's pizza. It's, what what have you saved by not saying the peace part? You saved a second. What are you going to do with that second? Say, cure cancer? No, just say pizza. And then the, the other thing is like the other the other oh, thing you're killing me. The other thing is sports. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh no, I don't want to talk about. I know, I know. I I don't want you to either. Trust oh, me. Oh, Yankees, but Yankees. Oh. Yeah, it's like it's like anybody brings up pizza and the if somebody brought up the pizza, if they somebody brought up the Yankees eating pizza, you would go like full like fucking like Captain Marvel binary and just turn into I like the much. You, much. Would, you would go Dark Phoenix on somebody. Oh God, it's so bright. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. I just noticed that about all New Yorkers, and I'm not knocking it. I think it is absolutely incredible yeah, that very all passionate about very passionate about pizza and about your sports, and I'm not knocking it at all. It, it was just an observation that I've made that any time these things are brought up, everything change. You turn. It's like you turn. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like one minute you're talking to Rebecca and the next thing you know, like you're getting a fucking lecture about pizza and and like part of you wants it to stop. And then another part of you is like analyzing it and taking notes. And I can't deny it. I can't even deny it. I have no, I have no rebuttal. I have no self-defense. It's fucking crazy. It's absolutely insane. And I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. So, yeah, that was my thing. I think all New Yorkers have a, have their own, they have their own special mutant powers. It is kind of our mutant power. You yeah. got a little binary about it. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Anyway, Marvel news. Uh, Marvel quick news. Netflix has canceled Iron Fist after two seasons. Boo. Yeah. Uh, Josh, April, you watching Iron Fist? You watching any of the Marvel Netflix stuff? Yeah, I watch all of them. I actually just watched and finished the second season of Iron Fist, which I thought was much better than first. So this is kind of bumming me. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, Josh, did you watch it? I tried to sit down and watch an episode, and she tried to explain the first season to me, and I was like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really following this, so it didn't really do it for me. <laughs> oh man, it's April gets to watch everything. <laughs> Josh is just like, Josh is just like stuck with the kids and like can't do anything. April's just like, I birthed them. I gave them. I, I mean, I I was going to bring that up. She she did. I did the, all the work. She did all the work uh, of carrying that baby and birthing it. So yeah, yeah I want to right. do it again. Right. So I just need more time it at the movies. Takes two to tango. 
Okay. The fun part, I have to do the hard part. Exactly. <laughs> the fun part takes two. The hard part takes one. Yeah, and, I mean, then, and then Josh sure, has got to pay for you it. You had to do the hard part, but we talked about aliens earlier. And uh, if you've ever been on the bottom half of somebody giving birth, it's like the movie Alien. So that's something you'll just never be able to forget. Yeah, so I'm Josh is all our children. Basically, <laughs> Josh has a face hugger on his face for the next 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to sit around and watch Iron Fist season two. Exactly, it works out. Uh, Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, Rebecca. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw a slice of Chicago pizza, <laughs> and then you can just attack that, and then we can finish the rest of the podcast. Fuck you. Oh, hold on. You know what? Uh, give me three fucking hours to get it ready, because that's how long it takes to bake the damn. <laughs> I can get a slice in two minutes around the corner from my house. But no, when I walk into Lou Malnati's in Chicago, oh, it's going to be 45 minutes. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. It's not okay. Oh, you know, it's, Jesus Christ. It's just, it's, it's just food. <laughs> I like thin crust and I like thick crust. It just depends on where I go. Jeez, this, this, this hatred. Oh, gee, oh. Casserole. I, it, <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's not wrong. Thank you. I know I'm not wrong. Oh, Thank you, you. No, you're just, you've just been beaten into submission by women your entire life, Josh. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Josh oh, is just hoping that at the end of the night, he only gets beat with a thin crust. <laughs> New York style pizza and that April isn't smacking him over the head with a fucking like sledgehammer of a Chicago style. Anyway. Uh yeah, I'm I'm upset by this news. Finn Jones um said uh he responded on Instagram saying with every end is a new beginning. I have an enormous amount of love and respect for everyone involved with the last two seasons of this show. Defending the greatest city in the world amongst the most talented and warmest people has been a privilege and a joy. Blessed to have taken this journey and grateful for the ongoing support. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, it's... And it's weird. Like, the news that came from Deadline made it sound like, um, you know, Iron Fist will return, but it might not be on Netflix and it might be, like, on Disney Play or it might be in another platform and then another news outlet reported that no he'll be returning but it'll be within other Netflix series it just won't be like a standalone iron fist season so i don't know i'm i personally am upset because the way iron fist season 2 ended i was really looking forward for like the ongoing adventures of like iron fist and colleen and and uh what Ward was gonna be doing and then I don't know. I'm I'm a little upset by this news, so I don't know. Uh, I I think Iron Fist season two, in my opinion, was better than Luke Cage season two, and it looks like Luke Cage is still being in talks for getting a season three, so I don't know. Do you think that they might abandon uh after Luke Cage season three, do you think that they'll just turn this into Heroes for Hire? I don't know. That sounds like the logical idea, I would think. And we might get like, uh, I don't know, like 
Colleen getting her own series, possibly. I don't know. It doesn't even sound like that, though. I mean, if they've canceled Iron Fist season three, I would hope that they would then give us maybe two shortened seasons, one of Heroes for Hire and one of Daughters of the Dragon. I I would hope like maybe we could get that would be exciting for me because I also would like to find out, you know, they left a big question mark at the end of season two of Iron Fist. And, And it's like. And they hinted at a character that they were going to be introducing, and I was really excited about that. And now it's like gone. Yeah. So I, yeah, I I want more Finn Jones as Danny Rand. I felt like he was finally settling into the role. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that uh, that thing as it kind of unfolds here uh, over the next year or so. We'll see exactly. I, I think we'll see more Finn Jones as Iron Fist, but probably not in his own series and i don't know god i've been i was more it's all subjective i was more happy with like iron fist season two than i was with luke cage season two and i i didn't even care to finish punisher i i quit that after like five episodes i was out so that that's just me though you know so (laughs) did anybody else did anybody finish punisher yeah, I actually watched all of that. Did you? Did you like it? Yeah, I think it ended up getting into its groove, and I liked how it finished the first season. Yeah, maybe I should watch that. I don't know. And I didn't even finish Jessica Jones season two. Oh, that's really good. You should definitely finish that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. You should definitely finish season two of Jessica Jones. Yeah, I had a little bit of fun with it, but I just kind of quit. Um What's this? What's this next story? What's going on here? I don't want to talk about that. That looks stupid. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Just words. I'm looking at words. They look weird. Uh, Next up uh, for Sony, after uh, the Venom film, uh, they're developing the Morbius, the living vampire movie starring Jared Leto as the character. And uh, I wanted to read this news from Dark Horizons about the project. Producers Avi Arad and Matt Tolmach, who are spearheading the Sony Marvel World, that's what they're calling it, Sony Marvel World, mm. spoke okay. yeah, spoke with Collider and offered an update on the project's status, saying filming aims to begin in February with Daniel Espinoza from Safehouse uh, helming the script by Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama. Asked if Leto is definitely on board, they say, oh yeah, this is the great thing, this is a great thing for us now. That, an actor like him, and an actor like Tom, wanted to have their own characters. But the character they love, both of them, very hard to get them to do a movie. We actually cannot get them. We went in, we sat with them, and everybody told us, oh, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, nothing. That's what he wanted to do. What a great quote. Thank you for throwing that out there to the world that we can all read that fucking. Jesus. What the fuck? Don't, who the fuck said that? Jeez. Daniel Espinoza. God, get, don't let that guy do any more interviews. What the fuck? I don't even know what I just read. Daniel Espinoza just rambled on for like a minute and people 
were like, <laughs> looked at each other and said, okay, all right. <laughs> do we put that in? All right, yeah, I guess we do. Um, <laughs> asked if the plan is to pursue a P- uh, PG-13 rating like they did with Venom and not an R. Avi Arad said, it depends on the story. If the success of the story depends on being R-rated, then of course we can do it. But at least for me, I have grandkids, kids, whatever, all these things. And some of these movies, they're dying to see. You know, as I took my grandson, Seven, to the recording session of Venom, and he had the time of his life. Good. I'm glad you're just making these movies for your fucking grandkids, Avi. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's cool. You know, Will Smith did a whole album for his children, you know? And the, you know, it's come on, get the fuck out of here, Avi. Yeah, this Morbius movie. Rebecca, did you watch Venom? I gotta know. I didn't. Did you watch it? I have not watched it yet. I'm planning to go on Tuesday mm. after work and watch it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see it because I've heard such mixed reviews of it sure. that it's one of now it's like okay well now i have to see it yeah what it's what it's all about yeah i'm betting that april saw it and josh was at home with the kids <laughs> right no we actually saw it together oh did you now yeah i got to get let out of the house i let him out of the house oh, it's good that you let igor off the fucking chain um <laughs> <laughs> yes master i will go to see the movie with you yeah. <laughs> Um, so what, what did you guys think of Venom? I would actually agree with you, Brian, and I would high, high taste this movie. You high taste it? High taste this movie. Geez, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a comic person, so I went in with a clean slate, and I thought Tom Hardy was very entertaining. Yeah. And I overall liked the movie, so I'm looking forward to more Venom. And Josh, you're going to agree with her, right? Well, I was going to high taste this movie, but now I have to feel like I have to give it a different reading. I, um, Josh is his own man. A little different than April. I like, I didn't, I haven't really read very much comics, but Venom's always been one of my favorite characters. Him and Joker are kind of my two favorite bad guys from growing up. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted this movie. Uh, I kind of put aside all the negative stuff that was coming out about it. Um, and just kind of saw it for what it was. And the point I really agree with you with is this is more a, you know, superhero anti-hero movie that just happens to be Venom than like a Venom origin story. Yeah. Um, but I high taste it. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's, there's so many flaws in this movie. Um, so it can't be a Tupperware, but, mm-hmm. um, I really had a good experience and, you know, uh, what you guys said about the end credit scene, I'm not going to spoil anything. Sure. Um, I agree with it, but I think there are just a lot of casual people who, who saw a character and said, Oh, movie with this character that would make me excited. And I was one of those people. So yeah, I'm curious to see what comes of that. But, uh, as far as the Morbius movie, I mean, Venom made a shit ton of money. It was PG 13. Mm-hmm. That movie's going to be PG 13. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah. 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 And more Morbius living vampire, such a weird, character um morbius living vampire came out back when there was the comics code and the comics code one of the rules about the comics code when it came out because mothers uh were upset that there were things happening in comics with like you know characters dead characters zombies they hated zombies they hated you know they they were blaming comics for a lot of the 
things that were happening and they didn't want their kids to be exposed to them. And so that what happened was there was the comics code. One of the rules in the comics code is that you couldn't have any character that was undead in your comic come back, like a reanimated undead character. So Marvel comes out, of course, with Morbius. They couldn't have vampires. Vampires are dead. Their hearts stop beating. But Morbius was the living vampire. And so that was their way to get around the comics oh, code. Oh, that's interesting, actually. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. So, okay. yeah, it's, that's, so Morbius, the living vampire. So he, basically this, uh, you know, scientist and whatever, he turns into a fucking living vampire. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I like the character of Morbius. I'm not like a huge fan. He's been used in the comics a lot and he's in, you know, the animated stuff and he's okay. I don't know. It's just, after the, you know, and I, I think Jared Leto's a fine actor, like Dallas Buyers Club, he was great, and, you know, um, but it, it's, you know, he fucking won an Oscar for that, but after Joker, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Morbius the Living Vampire, um, I, I, after Venom, I can't say that I'm gonna hate this film, it just might be as fun, I, it's crazy, it's just, you're dealing with a character that, like, has a thirst for blood, so I don't know. We'll see what happens here. Um, another part of this whole Venom verse that they've got going on is they're in the early stages of development for a standalone Craven the Hunter film. And I got this news also from Dark Horizons. They said recently came the announcement that Equalizer scribe Richard Wank, yes, yeah, so a Dick Wank is working on uh, <laughs> on a film about Spider-Man villain Craven the Hunter. Uh, the longtime villain's real name is Sergei Kravinov, a Russian arist- aristocrat who became obsessed with big game hunting and eventually develops superpowers after taking a voodoo elixir. He's most famous for the storyline Craven's Last Hunt, which is actually my favorite Spider-Man story, uh, which sees him successfully. Incap- uh, inca- uh, incapacitating and burying Spider-Man alive. Then he takes on his suit and starts hunting down criminals. Ultimately, having shown himself to be the greatest hunter and with nothing left to prove or new challenges ahead, he commits suicide, a very rare event in comic book fandom. Um, talking with Discussing Film this week, Wank says he hopes the film will feature a direct encounter with Spider-Man that will be influenced by the Last Hunt storyline. Quote, I'm just starting it. It's an interesting world, a great character. It's going to be, it's going to adhere very closely to the lore of Craven the Hunter, and he is going to come face to face with Spider-Man. I'm just beginning it, beginning the process, and beginning, and because it's a big IP, Marvel World, there's a lot, there's lots of hurdles to overcome before you can start writing to crack the right story and to get the right tone. It's a new world for me, but what's nice about it is it's very grounded. It's a very grounded character. He doesn't have a lot of crazy superpowers and things like that, so he's more grounded and that what's uh and that's that fits what I like to do. That's as much as I know. Um so what's crazy about this whole story here is like of course, like Richard Wank is, you know, doing it and I, I loved the first Equalizer film and 
having him doing a Craven the Hunter film, I was like, oh, okay, how how the fuck are they going to do you know, first I was like, how the fuck are they going to do a Venom movie without Spider-Man? And they did it, and it was just silly, and it was fun. And now they're doing a Morbius movie that we don't know if there's going to be Spider-Man involved. But now Richard Wank is saying, I want to do this with Spider-Man. So, like, are we getting Tom Holland Spider-Man? Or are they introducing a new Spider-Man? Or are they introducing, like, Miles Morales? Like, what the fuck are they doing here? Honestly, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it seems like they're all over the place. Yeah, that is a good question. Like, I feel like you can't do a standalone Spider-Man villain movie if it's not, like, one of the big three. If it's not Venom or Doc Ock or Green Goblin. Like, I feel like Kraven is not a good enough draw in and of himself to reach a large enough audience. But if you throw Spider-Man in there, even if it's just for a short bit, you get away with a lot more characters that can be added. Um so I'm also very skeptical about this, but, you know, Venom, I didn't think was going to be great either. So who knows now? Are we going to like in this movie, are we just going to see like the origin of Craven? Are we going to start out with him being like this big game hunter? I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see, a, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to see a movie where a guy's going out and fucking you know, killing mm-hmm. tigers and lions and endangered species. And then all of a sudden at the end, he's like, well, I've got the biggest, I've got to go against the biggest hunt of them all and go on, take on Spider-Man. Like, I, I don't know. How is this movie going to work? This sounds like a hot mess. The movie sounds like a hot mess. Like, I don't, I also don't want to see a movie of a guy who's shooting like these big wild animals at all. I don't want to see any of that. And then if you're going to put Spider-Man in it, then I don't think it makes sense to cast a new Spider-Man. Like you have one, you have Tom Holland. I don't know. This, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me personally. April, Josh. So like, you're going to sit down your kid in a couple years and you're going to be like, Hey, you remember that movie, the lion King? And they're going to be like, yeah. And you're going to be like, hey, you want, to see, you want to see a big burly guy shoot him and then, and, and then try to kill Spider-Man? It's like, I don't know. It's like as soon as that like monkey holds up that little lion baby, like, you know, Craven blows his head off. Like, I don't I don't want to see that. And I know that was a dark thing to say, but I did it anyway. I know no, that you made a good point. I think a lot of parents wouldn't take their kids that kind of movie where they would take them to a Spider-Man. They got to leave that out, right? There's just got to be a there's got to be a shot of him like in his like uh trophy room with all the yeah. heads of the of the animals, right? We uh, they're not going to show us or are they? Are are they going to fucking show us like this guy like big game hunting out in the fucking jungle and killing like a a lion or or, or a rhino and, and uh, like what are we gonna see these things because like you know that's where he started and like you know is is it gonna lead up to like the the spider-man thing like how, how big of a how integral is spider-man gonna be to this story when 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 they're basically like richard wank is saying like he's gonna come face to sp- he says quote and he is going to come face to face with Spider-Man. We're getting this movie with Craven the Hunter coming face to face with Spider-Man. And then it leads you to believe, like, it leads you, ask you, ask you the question. You ask the question of like, well, then why didn't we get Spider-Man in the Venom film? Yes. 
Why are you you choosing to do it now and you didn't do it with the Venom film? I don't know. It just just seems – it all seems odd to me. Yeah, I I agree. Like putting Spider-Man in the Venom film makes a hundred thousand times more sense than – than this, I, I I don't know. Oh, it's just, just watch that Venom movie though. It's it's fucking it's insane, Rebecca. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go in and I I kind of know what to expect because I listened to to you guys review it already. But yeah, um, yeah, I kind of know what to expect at this point. But I I like now I just have to see it and see what it's all about. Okay, do you use Tom Holland Spider Man or do you use a completely different Spider Man? Is this your opportunity to introduce? Introduce maybe a Miles Morales, or oh, or or that's or, an interesting idea. Or do you cast a completely different actor as Spider Man at this point? But like, why? Why cast a brand new Peter Parker? You have a Peter Parker. Now, why do you have two fucking Jokers, Rebecca? I mean, well, I don't know. You no, know, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you got me on that one. I. I my my preference would be then if you cast a new Spider-Man, then make it Miles Morales. Make this like an Elseworlds story or make this in the future when Miles Morales is is, is uh, Spider-Man. And I don't know. And then like is this set in the same universe as Venom? Because it sure sounds like it, like the Venom – it felt like Venom, what I was hearing, like Venom – and I don't know. Maybe I'm just – reading into shit it felt like venom could ever could even cross over with like the the black cat and silver sable film like those like they they could be set in the same like if this is being called like the sony marvel world the sony marvel universe it's if you're calling it a sony marvel universe that any movie that they have under that sony marvel universe banner and any character that's under that Sony Marvel Universe banner could show up in the same movie together. But what's wild about that Sony Marvel Universe banner is we've not heard up until this Craven movie Spider-Man being involved in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how do you introduce Tom Holland into this? I don't know. I don't know. I have no clue. I It doesn't – I don't know. I can't wrap my head around this one, but – I said the same thing about the Venom when 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 Venom news broke that it mm-hmm. was not going to be a, a, a Spider-Man story. I said the same thing. I can't wrap my head around it, but I mean they made it work. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I this just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know what does make sense to you though? Don't you say it. New, <laughs> New York style <laughs> New York style pizza, right? I'm not taking the bait. Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no! It's it, it, I, I wanted to see your powers activate. You, you know? wanted to see my powers activate. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. yeah. <laughs> New York pizza powers activate. <laughs> she, goes, she goes off on this tangent about. Oh my god! Casserole, <laughs> but it is a casserole. <laughs> It's like a chicken pot pie. It's not pizza. <laughs> when you gotta pay property tax for your fucking big ass pizza pizza, it ain't pizza anymore. Oh my God, stop talking about the pizza. Right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm talking about the za. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Why? I Why? think the only people enjoying this episode is the people that are on it. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, shut the fuck up. You little stupid pizza jokes. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, yeah, Fox Marvel. I got a lot of news from Dark Horizons this week. I, that site is fantastic. If you guys are not going to darkhorizons.com, you need to check it out. They, it's a fucking fantastic website. They do a great job. Anyway, Fox Marvel news from darkhorizons.com from Drew Goddard. He was doing press about uh, bad times at the El Royale and um, – well, uh, here's the article. While the Disney and Fox merger hasn't yet closed, I'm hearing it's going to possibly close by the end of this year. Anyway, uh, many have wondered what impact it will have on the various X-Men-related projects that have been in development at Fox for years. One such title is X-Force, a project that seems one of the likeliest to survive the merger, as it's being positioned more as the next entry in the Deadpool franchise, as opposed to a straight X-Men spinoff. It has also been an impressive, uh, it also has an impressive pedigree with the Cabin in the Woods and Bad Times at the El Royale writer director, uh, Drew Goddard slated to helm. Uh, out promoting the latter film opening this week, Goddard was asked for an update on the project by Fandango and said, sadly, the film hasn't really made any progress lately. Quote, there's no real update to be honest. I tend to focus very intensely on one movie at a time. We're just sort of finishing bad times now. Ryan Reynolds is off shooting a movie, and everyone's sort of scattered like dandelions to the wind. Wow. Very, very eloquent saying there. Wow. Dandelions to the wind. Like dandelions to the wind. That sounds like the, like a, like a fucking, like a, like a romance novel and like Fabio's on the front, right? <laughs> and he's like in a field, right? And like some yeah. woman's got her skirt kind of blown up a little bit, and it's it's titillating, isn't it? Thinking about it, right? <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of a chubby. Anyway, um, yeah, my hormone monster is raging right now. Clearly. <laughs> hey, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Uh, yeah, Fabio. <laughs> oh my god, I love Nick Kroll. He's fucking amazing. Um, I think oh, as we, yeah, anyway, it, like dandelions to the wind. What the fuck are you talking about, Goddard? Don't ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sort of scattered, like dandelions to the wind. <laughs> That's, doesn't that sound like a fucking, like, Hallmark movie? Dandelions to the wind? It does. It does sound like, or it could be. It'd be like a lifetime movie, Dandelions to the Wind, and it could be like a woman who was like survived being kidnapped and tortured because that's what they're all about. Yeah, and, no, um, I don't like that. I, no, come on, I, I, get off that. I, I, I want to see Dandelions <laughs> to the Wind, and it's like some Hallmark movie with Elizabeth Shue, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's about like all of her family is spread out in the country. She got. She was raised, and she's got like nine brothers and sisters, and they're all over the country. And now they come. They they they, they were scattered like dandelions to the wind, and like there's like a tragic event that brings them all back together, and they gotta they gotta reconnect, and they gotta like figure out their past in order to move forward. It's Elizabeth's shoes in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like Brian watches a lot of Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could put it on uh, Quibi. You know, we'll film it 10 minutes on And uh, we'll see what happens. I think I can handle that fucking movie in five second chunks <laughs> at a time. <laughs> Anyway, we were talking. We were try- I was trying to talk about X Force, but God damn it, Drew Goddard, you gotta say stupid <laughs> shit like that. Dandelions to the wind. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what the fuck? Writing his manifest. <laughs> what are you doing? Dandelions to the wind. Anyway, that'll be his next movie, and I'm sure April will give it a taste. It as well. <laughs> 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 Please speak my truth. I am such a dick this episode. Wow. <laughs> I am a dick. No, I'm five beers in. That's why. Uh, anyway, he's talking about X-Force. He says, I think as we finish this up, we'll all get together and start hammering out what we want to do next. I really want to work with Elizabeth Shue. And <laughs> No, he goes, uh, but there's no real update at this point. I can't imagine there's going to be a world where there aren't more Deadpool movies because, boy, Ryan Reynolds is extraordinary. And so we'll just see. What the fuck? I thought they, I thought they were fast-tracking this movie after Deadpool 2. This is totally contradictory to what we thought was going on. I thought they were fast-tracking X-Force. Now we got Ryan Reynolds working on that. That's what Net- I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Ryan Reynolds is working on this uh, Netflix film with Michael Bay. And what's going on? Is it is it the fact? I don't want to say. Like I think a lot of people are confused about the, like this whole Disney thing. Like anything that was in discussions or in any kind of production can still get made by Fox as long as they do it before this deal gets done. Like if they start development on this stuff, it can still get made by Fox. And um, the more of these movies that they get going and made, the better in my opinion because as much as I'm excited to see the X-Men and the Fantastic Four under the Marvel banner again – I'm not excited to hear about hundreds of people losing their fucking jobs and also lo- losing, you know, Fox Searchlight in the process. Right. So, exactly. You know, I yeah. I get it. If you're just a fucking if you're just here for the fucking comic books, yeah, cool. Yay! Yeah. Woo. I get it. It's awesome, but like so many people, like this is a real deal and this is Rebecca, this is happening. If this deal closes before the end of the year, people are losing their jobs with and they have families like right after christmas like have a fucking heart you know it's like this I, is a- I know this it, it, it's absolutely a reality for people who are going to lose their jobs if, if it ha- happens before the end of the year yeah people are going to be out of work after the holidays i mean what a what a what a ter- what a shitty thing to do you know right after you've spent all that money usually mm-hmm. on gifts and family and blah blah blah, blah you know, figure out a new job situation it's it's a real shame and I really hope that I really hope that like, like movies that Fox Searchlight has done I hope that, that that doesn't go away yeah because Fox Searchlight has put out some really amazing films that I I, I don't want that to stop I I want that to continue yeah yeah no I'm in total agreement so 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought they were fast track, fast track in X Force, and it sounds like Drew Goddard hasn't even started, um, you know, the writing process or anything. And I don't know. Are we are we gonna get an X Force film from Fox? I was really hoping that we would. I wasn't the biggest fan of Deadpool two. I, I believe I gave it a high taste it and and. Um, I, th- I thought it was a lot. I did think it was fun. I just don't think it was as good as the first. Um, but I need to watch it again now that it's out. But um, I still was excited to see X-Force. You know, I really wanted to see X-Force. You know, I wanted to see more Cable and, and Deadpool. I wanted to see some of these characters that that died in Deadpool 2, spoilers, like form this team and then to bring back Domino and, and all that. So I don't know. We'll see. Did even you, if you do just care about the comic book movies, I mean, the reason Logan and Deadpool, part of the reason they were so popular is just that tone is so different yeah. from that Marvel universe yeah. that we have now. So, yeah. Are, like, are we going to get that with when Marvel takes over Deadpool, when Marvel takes over the X-Men? Like, are we going to get like, of course, I, I want to see Wolverine in an X-Men movie. And, I, you know, I've heard so many people say, like, yeah, you need to shelve these characters for a while. And I, no, no, do it right away. As soon as, as soon as Marvel gets these characters, yeah, throw them into the universe. I'm, I want to see what Kevin Feige can do with these characters, with Wolverine, with Storm, and, you know, with... I, I want to see. I want to see what what he can do with them. I, I do. I don't want. To, I don't want them to shelve these characters. I want to see what Kevin Feige can do with them and how they're introduced into the universe. Um, but like, how are they going to handle Deadpool? Is it? I don't know. Are they? Gonna, is Ryan Reynolds going to stick around if they're talking PG thirteen Deadpool? I hope he could talk them out of PG-13 Deadpool. Yeah. But I don't know where Disney finds to put this movie after it gets released, if it's rated R. Because I don't think they're going to put it on Disney Play. They're obviously not going to play it on any of the Disney channels. Mm-hmm. So where's it going to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, Disney will own 60% of Hulu at that point. So they could that Hulu could be a good place to put some of that alternative content on. Because... Marvel Runaways is on there right now. So, okay, that would make that would make sense. Yeah, you could if 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 Disney really wanted to do that, they could have like kind of like their you know a different kind of like Marvel banner under Hulu. Hulu gets away with that kind of shit. So we'll see. I don't know. I really have no idea what they're gonna do. I just I really worry about like once once this is finalized and once. Now they now now Disney's able to sit down with Ryan Reynolds and Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick and actually fucking talk about this stuff. If they're just gonna just walk away and be like, no, because I can't see Disney making a Deadpool movie that says Marvel Studios with Deadpool and us getting a scene of fucking Ryan Reynolds getting pegged by. Anna Baccarin, right? I mean, right. Think about think about that, and I you fucking damn well know that Ryan Reynolds and Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick won't just try to push the envelope that much further 
because Disney is now it's going to I think it's going to fuel them. I think it will fuel them to push the envelope that much further. I don't think that they're going to back off. I don't see this going well. I but I don't know. I just can't see it going well. Yeah, I I know. I mean, I'm I just can't see Disney slapping their name on an R-rated Deadpool movie that includes Ryan Reynolds getting pegged. It's just it's just it's hard for me to believe that that's going to happen. It's hard for me to believe this will be a seamless transition. I The first Deadpool I, movie, he got pegged and fucking Stan Lee is the fucking VJ, the DJ in a fucking um strip club for yeah, crying out loud. Exactly. Exactly. You're not <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Yeah. But I don't it's just it it I, I know I know that Bo, it was it Bob Iger got up there and said that they would consider, you know, doing that with Deadpool like it's not out of the question. I think is that just to kind of like keep people at bay until like I yeah, I mean I just yeah. can't I can't see. I think it's I think it's to appease the masses. I think it's to absolutely keep people at bay while they figure out what the what the hell to do yeah i totally agree i think disney's shown their true colors even with james gunn situation Mm -hmm. so why would they totally backtrack now and go down the route of r-rated movies well yeah i mean you know disney owns other you know production companies that do like r-rated stuff but like with this, they they really couldn't do that. This would be like this is Marvel. It would be under Marvel Studios, and when people see that Marvel Studios banner, like they they expect like, oh, I can take the family to see this. Now you can make that argument, and you can say, oh, but Brian in Iron Man three, Robert Downey Jr. called a child a pussy. Yes, <laughs> he did. <laughs> He did, 100%. But on the flip side, Pepper Potts did not peg Iron Man in that movie on National Women's Day or International Women's Day or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Like, that did not happen. I mean, that, like, Deadpool takes it to that next level every time. And I honestly feel like... I don't know if I was Ryan Reynolds, if I was Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the writers of Deadpool and Deadpool two, once Disney kind of took control, I would kind of, if I was them, I would want to kind of like really test Disney and like push it to that limit and see like what, what they would really let them get away from. And I think if Disney were to challenge them creatively, the freedom that Ryan Reynolds has right now with Fox and like what the trust that they've given him. So much so that they, that he was a writer on the second film that if Disney gives him any pushback, it, it, it might be, it, we might be hearing one of these stories where Ryan Reynolds has left Deadpool over creative differences. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, all right. That's all I got for Marvel news. We're going to move into DC news and talk about the Titans premiere. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, it's like Disney took over our podcast. I'd have to lose that goddamn bumper. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
If Rebecca took over this podcast, we'd be promoted by New York style pizza. And it would be delicious. (laughs) All pizza is created equal. It all tastes good. It all tastes good to me. Give, Give me that. Give me that deep dish. Give me that thin crust. I like it all. Do you do you do that thing where you fold your pizza like it's a, like it's a fucking wallet, and shove it in your mouth? Oh, of course I fold it. That's the point of it. It's meant to it's meant to be eaten on the go. Like well, what are you talking? You running you running a five k eating pizza? No, I'm not running a five k. You would be uh, the amount of people <laughs> on the go. Well, I got Listen, a lot of people take their pizza on the subway and in between wherever they're going okay. and they eat, eat it there. You can't, you can't sit down in a, in a chair somewhere <laughs> and eat your goddamn pizza. You yes, gotta, that is the preferable method to eat anything, really, to sit down in a chair. But sometimes you don't always have the time to do that. Fold it up, put it in your back pocket. Oh, I'll get to that later. <laughs> don't worry. It's New York style. You can fold it. Sorry. I feel like I'm in a Seinfeld episode right now. (laughs) Fold your pizza. (laughs) I always, I always got a kick out of that. Like I watch like these, uh, these, these, uh, these, these shows where you know, like I don't know where they they go to different places and they try pizza from different places. And like you got the one guy's hey, New York style pizza, you know, you gotta fold it. And I'm like, what? What are you? What are you doing with that? What? Are you, yeah, you gotta fucking like, what are you? Origami with your fucking pizza? And he's like got a pterodactyl oh, wow. and he's flying the goddamn thing around. Oh, look at my pepperoni pterodactyl! <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> Rebecca, you hate me right now. No, I don't. <laughs> No, hate is a very strong word. You dislike me very much. <laughs> now that might be more accurate at this moment. What are you, what are you guys doing with your pizza? We're, we're eating it like it's meant to be eaten. You're, you're, yeah, but, but you're, you're folding it like it's laundry. Like what are you? <laughs> At least we're not eating it with a knife and a fork. Rubbing dryer sheets on your food and shove it in your mouth. What the fuck? It's it's just it, there's no science to it. You gotta fold it. What are you <laughs> folding your pizza. I don't know. You gotta fold it. I'm I'm, I'm being a dick now. Now 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 I, no. I deserve the wrath of every New Yorker at this point. I'm ask. I'm begging for it at this point. I deserve well, yeah, it. I deserve it. Attack me. Bernie's gonna come after me. I already got Janine's gonna come after me. <laughs> Rebecca's no, art. She lives in Jersey now. I don't think she counts as a New Yorker anymore. Oh shit! You smack think, me when she sees me. <laughs> you think she's listening to some Bon Jovi right now? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes of Tom Green was the episode where he went into his parents' room. He's like, oh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in my parents' room, and uh, we're gonna listen to uh, Bon Jovi live from New Jersey." <laughs> They're sleeping. It's fucking like three o'clock in the morning and he's going to blast Bon Jovi live from New Jersey in the room. And it was fucking hysterical. Anyway, DC News Titans premiere. Rebecca, what do you watched it, right? I did. I watched it. April. um, Josh, I don't know if you guys did. You do you have DC Universe? Unfortunately, no. That's all right. That's all right. Um, Rebecca, what did you think about the Titans premiere? I liked it a whole lot. Um, 
I thought it was really cool that they set a tone for how violent this show is going to be. Um, and it is very violent. Um, it's definitely not something to let the kids watch with you. This is not teen Titans. This is Titans. Um, and I, and they, they made a real, you know, they drew a real line here and said, this is very different. And, um, and, and full disclosure, it took me forever to watch the episode because my app was so buggy. Like it kept pausing and then it would crash and then I had to restart it. And Hmm. I, I don't know if it was because it was the day it dropped and like everybody was trying to watch it, but I, I was talking to Jordan on the supercast and it took him, he said it took him three hours to watch the no episode. No shit. I had no yeah. problems. I watched it the Friday that it dropped. Or excuse me. The Friday that it dropped. My voice dropped there. Um, I watched it the Friday that it dropped and I watched it, watched it on my Roku. Oh my God. I'm sucking the dick of Roku this yeah, episode. Is this, no is this episodes brought to us by Roku? <laughs> is that what's happening? Oh my God. I, yeah. <laughs> Roku, um, oh my gosh, I am all about Roku. Um, but I was watching it, <laughs> I was watching it on my Roku. Came through just fine. It went through just fine. I had no issues watching this. It, it, it just took me a long time to watch the episode. A couple of other people in the army were saying that they had issues. Other people hmm. said they, it was fine. I, I have no idea. Yeah. But, um, I liked it a whole lot. I love the guy who's playing Robin. I think he's amazing. Really? Brent um, Thwaites was the weakest part of the episode for me. Really? Yes. I thought he was – I loved I loved him. I thought he was great. I thought he I, was great action scenes. I thought he was fantastic. But uh-huh, as far uh-huh. as like his interactions with some of the characters within like the, you know, the Detroit precinct, I thought right. that those were weak. I I was really impressed with Raven. I liked her too. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard people say that they didn't care for her, that like 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 the actor. They didn't think she did a good job. Well, fuck those people. She did those a people. Fine job. Those same people are eating New York style pizza. Fuck those. You know what? No, stop it. Just stop it now. Just stop. I'm kidding. I'm. <laughs> I am kidding. That was I took it a little too far that time, and I apologize. No, I, I thought I I really enjoyed the Raven character. I did. I liked Raven. Yeah, I I liked it a whole lot. I know that we saw the whole fuck Batman in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally felt that the way that 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 scene played out, and the w- when he said it, and how he said it, etc. I thought it was perfectly placed and it really set the tone for how this Dick Grayson feels about, about Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I thought I, I would, after having watched it, like I, I, I kind of want to Tupperware it. Like I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought I would say that about something that DC puts out because it's been such a crazy track record with them, but. I really liked it a whole lot. I'm I'm invested. I want to see what happens next. Yeah, I I'm gonna give it. I'm actually just gonna give it a taste. It, but it was enough to have me want to continue to watch because it was fun. It was fun. I did enjoy it, and so like I'm giving it that April taste it rating. But I'm That's also how you refer to it from now on. Exactly the April taste it rating. But I I'm giving it that rating. But I'm also saying like it's not just a taste it to where like oh I liked it, but it's not enough for me to not want to stick on and continue to watch it. 
it was enough like the ending I thought was so fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I you know, I'll just yeah, the ending like we didn't get a whole character the entire episode and then it ended with a Beast Boy appearance. And Absolutely. That was fun. And I was like, Wow. What a fun way to introduce this character. I I'm telling you, I love this show. I love and you know, there were people who were saying, like, well, you know, why didn't they go a little lighter? Why didn't they go a little lighter tone like mm-hmm. like how Marvel does stuff? But in my mind, I feel like this is kind of this is similar to like the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah. You know, that that stuff is dark and gritty and very violent. This has that same feel to me. It's dark, it's violent, it's gritty. In that in that in that fight scene in the alley, I mean uh, Robin looks like he was killing people. Robin, he was slashing yeah. guys in the neck. That was good. I I see that's what I as far as that scene with Robin in the alley and the way the fighting and the choreography was and how violent it was. Mm-hmm. Absolute Tupperware. I loved it. Right. I just, I'm not sold on Brenton Thwaites just yet as Robin. Like, okay. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Just um, as, like, like, yeah. it's the same thing that I have a problem with Ben Affleck as Batman. Like, I think like the action sequences are fantastic. It's just like when we get like, like Ben Affleck and I got to hear Ben Affleck's voice and it's, I'm supposed to believe it's Batman. It, it's, a, I, I can't buy it all the time. I'm just, I'm not a fan of Ben Affleck's Batman. I know some people love him. Right. And Brenton Thwaites has to like prove himself to me that he is this edgy fucking like Robin, this, you know, more mature grizzled Robin. And, um, but I thought he did a I thought he did a fine job. I, I'm not saying like oh my god he was fucking terrible, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm just not like oh my god he was absolutely amazing. I it was amazing watching the action sequence. It it was. It's just when he's hi now I'm Dick Grayson and I'm at the Detroit you know precinct and I'm interacting with other characters within the show and I'm I'm talking. I, I wasn't like I wasn't blown away by the performance. I wasn't like wow. Okay. I'm not sucked in, but that yeah. was just me. And I'm not saying that he won't grow on me. He definitely could. It's just, I just wasn't blown away by that. And I, but I, I liked Raven. I thought Starfire was fine. Brenton Thwaites is my least favorite out of this, out of all the characters that we were introduced to in this, uh, first episode. So. Okay. Uh, you sound a little judgy. I'm not judging you. Look of course you. not. Look I'm not you. judging you. Look You're- at you. Little, 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 little Judge Judy going on. <laughs> Listen, just just because you have questionable taste mm. in pizza does not mean that I don't value I think your opinion all pizza, on other things. All pizza is created equal. I don't know you. You're fucking <laughs> you and your you and your racist pizza views. You know. <laughs> Oh, racist pizza. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to build a wall and send that thick crust out oh, of the country. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Ridiculous. All pizzas created equal. It can all go in my mouth. I don't give a shit. 
We can have a bukkake party in my fucking mouth for all I care. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of entertainment you get on this fucking show, people. Um, (laughs) This is not saying a lot. (laughs) It's hour four. We're getting loose. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. As far as, like, DC Universe and the Titans premiere, I... I definitely I'm, – I'm sticking around. I, I, I enjoyed it enough to where there were moments that were that were taste-its. There were moments that were Tupperwares. Um, I love the Beast Boy introduction. I thought that that was so much fucking fun. Um, for all the people bitching about Firestar, I actually really liked her introduction and um, didn't mind the actress at all. I thought she did a fine job. Um, I'm hoping I, I turn I around. I'm, good. Yeah, I thought she was good too. I'm hoping I turn around on Brenton Thwaites. I don't know. I mean, you, you might or you yeah. might not. I mean, there are plenty of people, you know, who I'm sure will need time to be sold on him as well. And that's fine too. Like, you know, maybe a couple episodes in, you may feel differently or you, or you may be like, yeah, I, I, for sure I hate this guy as, as Robin. You know what? I might just start fucking trolling him on Twitter and fucking send him in death threats. That's what, <laughs> that's what people do, right, Rebecca? That's how the internet works, Brian. You get on there, you troll people till they leave. You ruined Robin. (laughs) Fuck you. I hate you. (laughs) Oh my, what the fuck is wrong with people, Rebecca? I really don't know, Brian. Hey, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get on Twitter today and somebody, so, you know what? Somebody ruined Star Wars for me. So I'm going to send Ryan Johnson a death threat today. You ruined stuff. Fuck you. I hope you die. You, what the <laughs> fuck? People are ridiculous. I hate people. Me too. They're all stupid. You guys are all right, but everybody else is stupid. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm still, I'm still judging April and John. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's probably some PCL fan out there whose whole self-esteem is tied to Chicago style pizza. Who's really hurt right oh now? Oh my so. God. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, you know, I love, you know, I don't judge any pizza. I think all pizza is good. I enjoy all pizza except for uh fucking, what the fuck? Little Caesars. What are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Cheap and gross. $5 pizzas. Five dollars. Big, big old large pizza for five. Hot and ready. You're all excited about your hot and ready pizza. It's, it's fucking bread and ketchup. You get what you pay for. Yeah, right. You yep. get what you pay for with pizza. Yeah. Little Caesars back when I was a kid, they used to make a really good fucking pizza pie. Now they make garbage. You just making crap. It might as well just have Chef Boyardee make your fucking pizza. <laughs> oh God! You might as well just have pizza in a goddamn can. At that point, I I could still get down on some fucking Chef Boyardee ravioli though. I haven't had that in years, dude. I could rock some Chef Boyardee ravioli right now. I'm fucking six beers in. How many? <laughs> now, actually, now I'm starting to get six beers in, but. Yeah, I could definitely rock some shift. This is the worst episode we've ever done, isn't it? <laughs> that is not the worst. It's not the worst. It's absolutely not the worst episode. It's up there, right? I 
It might be, but it's not the worst. Bottom 50, huh? Uh, yeah, that, that's fair. Cool. Uh, <laughs> just wanted confirmation. Um, all right, Star Wars news. Yeah, Jar Jar says some stupid shit. Luke screams. Here we go. Uh, did, did anybody watch Star Wars Resistance? Nope. No. Nobody. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I watched it. I watched, well, there was three episodes that dropped and I watched the first two. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, resistance fighter Poe Dameron tasks young pilot, uh, Kazuda, Kaz Ziono with spying on the first order. Um, and so not only is he spying on the first order, he's trying to figure out like, uh, Somebody within the resistance is actually a member of the First Order, so he's trying to find out who it is. And so it's a big mystery. And um, the first episode was The Recruit, and it was written by Stuart Lee and Saul Ruiz, directed. Um, oh, no, uh, it was directed by Brent Brandon Alman, whoever the fuck that guy is. Probably, he probably likes Chicago-style pizza, right, Rebecca? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I know, I'm... Oh, God, no! I love your passion for the, the uh, for for fucking uh, the bread and tomato sauce. It's a it's amazing <laughs> for baked bread and tomato sauce. You got you got quite the passion. It's 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 borders on insanity, but it's cool. Um, <laughs> insanity. I'm totally kidding. I. This I don't know. I I I thought the animation was a lot of fun. I know a lot of people don't like the animation in this one. I actually kind of prefer this animation over the I it gets a little bit more detail than the actual like Rebels and Clone Wars animation and I I kind of appreciated the animation a little bit more in this in certain scenes. I'm going to give this a taste it. I I don't know. I I I'm not I can't tell you that I've fallen in love with any of these characters as of yet. We're like rebels were introduced with pretty much all new characters and you start to really like fall in love with like, you know, Hera, Sabine, um, Kanan and Ezra and, and, and Chopper. Like it's like this, we've got BB eight showing up and Poe Dameron. So like familiar characters, but I'm not like a hundred percent like in love with Kaz yet. Um, my favorite part of the episode is actually when he's like flying and like doing the races and stuff. It really has nothing to do with anything else going on. There was a really fun kind of like cantina scene where they're playing a game of darts and someone sabotages the game and Kaz throws a dart and it's a dart that's kind of like being controlled and it lands in an alien's, like a gigantic alien's back and like a whole bar fight breaks out. And that was a lot of fun and I did enjoy that. I'm going to give this series a taste it so far. I am going to continue to watch because it is Star Wars. I love Star Wars and, and, um, but it's right now it's not grabbing me like Rebels did. I, I have to give the Rebels kind of the upper hand here as far as the story. And I know that uh, Dave Filoni's involved in this, but he's not 100% like involved in this. So I don't know. I I liked it enough. Uh, Donald Faison is in this. He plays one of the racers. And what's really cool, Donald Faison from, uh, you guys ever watch uh, Scrubs? 
Oh yeah. And then Oh yeah, I love Scrubs. Clueless, he was in Clueless. Well, his character, his last name sounds like a Star Wars name anyway, so his character in the series is Hype Faison. <laughs> it's just, awesome. It's just spelled differently. His last name is F-A-I-S-O-N, and Hype Faison is F-A-Z-O-N. So it's just spelled differently. But, um, yeah, there's a, I mean, they're gonna be introducing a bunch of other characters, um, in the series. Uh, Leia, General Leia Organa is going to come back and, and, um, I don't know. So I'll give it a taste it overall. I'm going to continue watching. I still got to watch the third episode. Uh, next week we'll talk more about the Mandalorian. I want to really, I want to talk to Jake about some of the news from the Mandalorian, but have you guys been following that at all? The whole John Favreau series? Mm, very casually, not like super into it. Hmm. Same here. Um, I'm definitely excited. It, you know, it's in that sweet spot that I want to know more about from after the original trilogy to to the new series now. So I, I'm definitely very excited to watch it, but um, I haven't been paying a ton of attention to it yet. Yeah, they got some April. What about you? No, I haven't been following this at all. Well, shit. You got you guys are Rebecca. You guys, you guys are slacking on this stuff. No, I, <laughs> I know, I know. It's fine. There's so much to keep up with. I know there really is. It's it's hard for me to even keep up with half of this shit. Like, there's so many articles. Some of them I don't even click on. Um, but uh, yeah, some really good directors involved in this first season of The Mandalorian. Uh, Rick Fumiawa from Dope. He was the original Flash director and he dropped off. Mm, that's um, right. Deborah Chow, uh, from Jessica Jones. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Ron Howard's oh, daughter. Oh, wow. D- See, at first I was like, Bryce Dallas Howard, that's kind of like out of the box. And then I was thinking to myself, hmm, it is kind of crazy that Ron Howard just directed Solo and now his daughter's doing The Mandalorian. But you know what? Let's give her a chance. Maybe it runs in the fucking family, and I hope it does. I want to see yeah. her. I want to see Absolutely. her. Yeah, I want to see her give it a go. You know, it wouldn't be the first time that it runs in the family. So I want to see what Bryce Dallas Howard brings to this. I was thinking at first, like, oh, is this just fi- family entitlement? And I was like, they had to have brought her on because she got some sort of talent. I would hope. So yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine Star. Star Wars just giving her a show to direct because her dad's a director. Yeah. Like they, they care way too much about Star Wars to do that. I agree. I 100% agree. And Taika Waititi, our Thor Ragnarok oh, director. Yeah. Nice. He's going to be directing some episodes of The Mandalorian. So that is going to be a shit fuck ton of fun. And I can't wait. And they also had, uh, set photos recently. They snapped shots of two stormtroopers on the set of this. And this is, this is taking place, um, like, I believe it's three years after Return of the Jedi, which would make it, like, post the Battle of Jakku. Because I think the Battle of Jakku happened a year after Return of the Jedi, or within a year, year and a half, two years. And so this is post Battle of Jakku, and it's kind of like, the Empire isn't as strong as it was, and this is supposed to be taking place on the outer reaches of the galaxy, which is like really far from like the, the grip of the, of the new Republic or like the, you know, like 
it's kind of lawless. So I think it's going to be, I think like John Favreau is going to, it's going to be like his version of like Star Wars in the wild, wild west. Hmm. Right? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause like it was lawless in the wild, wild west. And I think like here we are, we're, we're in a, we're in a weird place where like, you know, the empire has been defeated, but there's still remnants of the empire and like the resistance, like, you know, the, the rebels aren't as strong. They're strong, but they're not as strong. And I think like there's going to be kind of like, some of these places that are pretty lawless and I think like the Mandalorian is like going to be like a Western set in the Star Wars universe and I cannot wait to fucking see this show and I've been looking at all the set pictures that are coming out and it just looks incredible and they they snapped a couple shots of stormtroopers one looked like a biker scout and it's like are these guys like are they still working for the Empire or are they just fucking like are they just wearing stormtrooper gear Oh, I see. Yeah. Is that because that's all they have? Yeah. Like, what, what's the deal? Okay. Right. They just show up there. They're like, fuck, we're out of a job, but yeah, we're going to wear this because, you know, maybe that'll intimidate people or something. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, like like when you get into prison, you know, you find like your group, your gang. And oh, like, yeah. You join like the yeah. like, the scariest gang so everyone leaves you alone. <laughs> yeah, that'd be neat if they had like a stormtrooper gang on this fucking planet. <laughs> And they all show up and the stormtrooper table, you know, hey, come over here to the stormtrooper table. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Mandalorian whenever the fuck we get that. But, uh, yeah, we're done. It's late. And I want to thank Rebecca. I want to thank you for last minute joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. I'm going to go eat a DiGiorno deep dish in honor of you joining (laughs) us this episode. Yeah, you do that. That's, I, that's fine. I honestly, I honestly, a couple days, you know, you're getting pissed. Like it's getting, it's getting to the point where now it's getting personal with you. Like, <laughs> no, it's it's part of your New York power set, and like, like the more the more teasing that comes with this, it's it's pizza gets personal with you. <laughs> but I, you said it, dude. I'm a New Yorker. We take this yeah. stuff very seriously. <laughs> Mhm. I know. I know. I God, I'm learning that. And like <laughs> with every, with every little jab that I give you, I feel worse. <laughs> and yet you haven't stopped. So no, it's that. like it's like it's like <laughs> I know. I ha- I know. And you and and see and even you bringing that up hurts. No, I feel like this is like in every Superman movie. Where, like, Superman is, like, at the end of the movie and Lex Luthor somehow has made, like, a necklace of kryptonite for him to wear. And, like, it's resting on you right now and you are, like, powerless and I keep bringing up the pizza. And, like, and then here you are with, like, this like this chain of kryptonite around your neck and I keep... And I keep adding insult to injury, and you've got you just like you're just like I why are you why are you doing this to me and my pizza? And you're you're like dying right before me, and it's like Rebecca, right now I'm taking I'm taking that chain off of your neck, and I'm releasing okay. you from that. Like I'm done. I'm okay. done. All thank hail, you. All hail thank New you. York pizza. Thin crust all the way, baby. New York style. <laughs> Fold that Thank shit. you for not killing me with your kryptonite necklace. I no, really appreciate don't. that. Fold that shit and shove it in your goddamn mouth. <laughs> Rebecca, I don't want you to I don't want you to fight it. <laughs> don't fight it, baby. Just, 
Just fucking, I want, no, I, su- I just want you to grab that fucking pizza by the crusty underbelly and fold that fucker and shove it in your goddamn fucking face. <laughs> Slide that goddamn thing so far back in your fucking gullet that it almost makes you choke. Wow. Wow. Eat that. Okay. Pe- seriously. Pepperoni the fuck out of the back of your tonsils. I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting weird, isn't it? A little it is. bit. It's All getting right. weird. Say good night to everybody. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Hey, Josh, <laughs> April, thank you so much for joining us on this weird episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Was it weird? Uh, was it weird? No, it was about what I expected. Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, but really thank you for having us um, yeah. the show is great uh, keep doing what you guys are doing um, thank you. hopefully the next episode won't suck as much as uh, this one did but, uh, oh, I, I don't uh, know it, we made it through without getting divorced there yeah. you go there you go we didn't need a marriage counselor we didn't need Dr. Phil to come on this fucking show and tell you what you're doing wrong I, Garrett what the, what the fuck that guy Dr. Phil right the asshole Totally. I would love to look at his web browser. What do you think he's looking at? <laughs> Midget porn. Oh, oh shit. We, we share something in common then. <laughs> <laughs> High five, Dr. Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. It's definitely on the old browse. Um <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you again, April and Josh, Rebecca. Thank you. God, I feel like I have just, I, no, I feel like I have just beaten Rebecca up this whole episode. I feel like a piece of shit. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> I love, Rebecca, I love you. I love your pizza. I love all pizza. No, I love you too. See, yeah. that's why it's fine. <laughs> that- oh, wow. Wow. That's, no, that's great. That's great. We live in a world. Where, you know, all pizza, all pizza should not be discriminated, Rebecca. But it's not a pizza if it's in a shell. Okay, that's my point. It's a casserole. The deep dish, quote unquote, pizza is not pizza. It's casserole. I don't think it tastes like pizza. I don't. But it's not. I don't think pizza is pizza until you can set it down on someone's chest and it's like Mjolnir and they can't get up. <laughs> it's got to be like Thor's fucking hammer resting on their chest. They got In order for them to get free of that pizza, they got to eat the goddamn thing off their chest. <laughs> I want. It's like it's like Mrs. Fletcher in that Life Alert commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> well, bitch, eat that goddamn pizza. <laughs> you got you got one job to do, and that job is to eat that pizza on your chest, Mrs. Fletcher. All right, don't don't worry about your little medical pendant, medical pendant. Grow a pair, Mrs. Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Seven balls and seven silver balls. Seven silver balls. And a partridge in a pear tree. And just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for listening and thank you for your patronage. We will see you next week with episode 255. Later. 
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's make it, can erase it? Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. Uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers sure the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.